evening and welcome to El Fumar Takes. This is our 157th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Blissey, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show, six times over the amount of fun that we've had the six times before. What's been six times, you may ask? Well, you guys have been living under a rock because we're about to have some fantastic fun tonight with two of my favorite people, two of my favorite guests. One is continues his streak of the longest amount and the most amount of attendees or times he's attended of Ellis Fumar takes. So I'm going to be speaking English a lot better, I promise, tonight, even though we're going to be drinking. So I hope everyone is strapped in and ready to go because we're going to have an amazing, fantastic show. And before we get to formal introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. So let's go ahead and thank the sponsors of tonight's show, including tonight's show sponsor, Drew Estate. Drew Estate announced the unveiling of the new wooden boxes for the Underground uh, Underground brand beginning in February. The nude box design looks almost identical to the award-winning current design, and the boxes continue to contain. 25 cigars. The major difference and improvement lies in their shelf-friendly, more compact format, which enables premium cigar retailers to stock more boxes and cigars inside their humidors. And that means better fitting in our humidors at home as well. So bravo to Jewish State. So check out the new box designs for your Undercrown Maduro, Undercrown Shade, and Undercrown Sungrown today. Also, tonight's sponsor, tonight's show is sponsored by Oveja Negra Brands, four unique companies who share a passion to provide innovative cigars for the next generation of cigar enthusiasts. Black Label Trading Company, Black Works Studio, Dissident, and Emilio are combining premium tobacco with an artisanal touch. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock and visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. And welcome, everyone. This is Take 157. We are so proud, so pleased to be joined by these two esteemed gentlemen tonight. So without further ado, sponsored by United Cigar, smoke one today, start living United, Misters, Trip Waldrop, and Dennis Fang. Gents, how are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Thank you for that energetic intro. That was good, man. We, I have to get, take it gets me pumped. That. I like it. Hey, you know what? Last time we did this show, we went up to the max of like five hours, you know, Coop mm-hmm. went to bed, got up. We were still on. I mean, we we got to start the energy somewhere, guys. It's got to. <laughs> That's true. You, we got to start because it's inevitably the en- energy will eventually start to decline at some uh, point once we near the five hour mark. At some point, it's gonna drop off a little bit. We got. We yeah. You have to keep. You have to keep it going. Absolutely. So I, I guys, I'm really excited about this. So I mean, let's let's get. Uh, Let's kind of get this started with at least the the, the background here. So this is version 6.0. It, it seems crazy that we've done this five times already. Absolutely. Like in six, wild, six and okay. So so full disclosure, we should have skipped six and gone to seven because six is like my unlucky number. I don't like the number six. Um, and I think it it uh, it proved it proved its point. Um, for given the given the <laughs> yes. context of the show, so. Um, but let's just give a quick brief background on where we kind of started this and, um, and, uh, and, and where it's kind of, it's kind of taken off on this, on this show, but it all started with the show that you two host. So, uh, uh, trip without further ado for any of our new audience members who aren't familiar with, uh, sharing our parents, why don't you uh, give just a touch of a background there? 
Sure. So we have a show uh, that airs just before this show on Sunday night. And not, not quite just before, but a couple hours before. 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we choose a cigar and pick three things that we think will pair with it. Sometimes it's beer, sometimes it's whiskey. Once in a while, it's wine. Once in a while, it's soda or coffee or, you know, anything. It can even be food. We've, I've even done ice cream. Um, as long as it's got lactose, Dennis is game. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm totally down. <laughs> uh, so, and we, we pair it, see, see what we think. Uh, and, you know, we're on the never-ending journey to find out what pairs best with cigars. Um, it's fun. It's a good time. So, you know, I, you know, I've been a fan of the show for a while. Um, been, uh, and so I, you know, had the pleasure of meeting you guys a few trade shows ago. Can't believe we didn't have a trade show this year. Um, in 2020 but i mean it was 2020 so who the heck you know yeah. what the heck did happen actually and in, in other than dennis getting married that happened uh in 2020 so um but uh you know i approached you guys about doing a kind of a a take you know to to use my word uh on on the show and so we agreed to uh, exchange uh blind cigars and uh regional beers uh, which is how we kind of got it started that, you know, just to kind of share, uh, you know, cause we, it's, it's interesting. We have, we have the triangle of the United States, you know, uh, yeah. trip you're on the, the West coast, uh, Dennis, you're on the East coast and I'm here in Texas. So it's, it, it's kind of perfect. And, and we've got our own little, um, you know, especially with, with craft beer, I mean, uh, you know, trips in the motherland there in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So, um, we've uh, got a great opportunity to sample some really cool stuff, uh, from around the country and everything and so that's what we kind of put together uh, by doing this by doing this sh this show and so um so <laughs> the first time we did it a uh, little little bit of a couple hiccups uh, dennis's didn't come through uh and trip gave a beer that would have made me you know really ill that, so. that may have killed you <laughs> um so that was uh that was a that was an interesting an interesting full exercise but then uh we did it a second time um versions 2.0 3.0 4.0 5.0 all you know go off without a hitch we exchanged some great beers we smoked some great cigars we've guessed the cigars that's the whole point right we put a mystery cigar in front of us the beer at the time was not a mystery and so we can talk about the beer enjoy the beer and then try to guess what the cigar was and mm -hmm. uh and that's kind of where we come came came full circle on tonight's show of 6.0 um, which was we were going to we decided last time that we were going to do not only mystery cigars, but mystery spirits. We we're going to change it up. We were going to change from beer to spirits uh, because there's just a just a mountain of, of uh, you know, distillers popping up everywhere, kind of like the, the craft boom a few years ago um, yeah. where there's a there's a brewery around every corner. Now there's a distillery around every corner. Uh, I'm not complaining. Just just uh, just <laughs> stating the facts here. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we thought that that would be a really interesting exercise on it. So we have a mystery cigar and a mystery spirit. So, um, don't know, uh, if anyone else, uh, you know, was living under a rock this week, but, uh, some events transpired, um, namely in the, you know, namely in the fashion of the North pole deciding to relocate to my backyard. Um, or and and really kind of the entire western half of the u.s <laughs> yeah because like, you were you you had you had what uh, how many inches of snow it was about eight inches but for us that's pretty apocalyptic 
Yeah, I mean, we were six to eight, which was pretty. I mean, the, the I mean, to give you an idea, the entire state, first time in history, since they started measuring such statistics, first time in history, the entire state, every single county, was under a winter storm warning in yeah. the state of Texas. Um, for reference, people, the state of Texas is pretty much the same size as continental Europe. Just want to put it out there. That's a pretty big piece of land. Mm -hmm. The beaches of Galveston had three inches of snow on them. Uh, and, it, it, and it was snowing in, in Mexico. Great. It was snowing in Arizona. Yeah. It was snowing everywhere. This just this is just crazy. It's just absolutely nuts. I mean, we've just, I mean, I've, I mean, I've never seen, I mean, I've seen pretty, I've seen snow like this, uh, but never, never to the extent of, you know, where, where it all was. I mean, just, just yeah. insane, just insane. It was just crazy. So that being said, uh, the mail uh, didn't stop working because the mail always goes through, but the mail in our case didn't necessarily go through. Uh, it definitely seems to be going slower than normal. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've yeah. been keeping an eye on rough. the status of the packages I sent you guys, which were sent on, on Tuesday, which was the first day that I was actually able to make it out of the driveway. Um, they haven't left Portland yet. Oh, Actually, wow. One of them says that it left Portland on Thursday. The other one says it arrived in Portland on Thursday. Okay. Uh, and that's where the trail ends for the moment. So hopefully they make it eventually. But uh, So they haven't even made it across state lines. Not as far as I know. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's not as crazy as, I mean, Texas doing Texas things. So it was minus three a couple of days ago, right? Um, here oh, in wow. the state of Texas. And then today it was 70 degrees. My son wore shorts. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite possible that the the spirits that you sent me, Trip, will evaporate by the time they get here. <laughs> so. It's possible. Oh, <laughs> um, but... But gentlemen, I'm, I'm, I, I just, I, I get excited about this show every, every single time. We do it twice a year. It's kind of been the tradition, mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is, it's just been, it's just been a fun exercise, and you know, it's kind of morphing into something. And I have a, uh, we're gonna save it to the end of the show, but I got an idea for 7.0 oh, yeah. already. So I'm, I'm interesting to bounce this off of you. But we, we're gonna do a little bit of a democracy here. It's always been a, a democratic process. We've kind of discussed and voted on it and come to a consensus together on how we're going to do this so it's it's uh, it's pretty interesting so um and and a lot of fun but um um dennis how was it you know you know just so we can talk like old men for a couple more minutes how was the weather in jersey this week i mean was it oh geez man it honestly it was uh it was a little confusing we had snow of course not a whole lot but all of that snow that we had from the previous week in general over the last, I think two, three weeks started to melt. And that was during the day and at night it refroze. So we had roads that were covered in nice, uh, my, my, not my driveway, but where I, where my car is, was all just pure sheets of ice. So man, honestly, it's certainly not as bad. We've had power outages here and there, but nothing as bad as uh, certainly not with you guys or even drip. Oh yeah, I mean four. Okay, four point William, four four point one million homes, guys. So uh, in the state of Texas. Okay, so I just want to put this in perspective. All right. So and this is something I was sharing with you guys in the green room. But like, um, so okay, so we're eleven months into what we would call the COVID era, right? And at this point, I think the three of us, um, 
have either they we know maybe a couple of people who have had COVID, uh, or maybe even had it ourselves. And at this point, and so, I mean, it's you know, it's it's touched us on a couple of different points in eleven months' time. We're talking about eleven months' time, right? In less than one week, okay. I called. Uh, I, t- I called twenty three. I reached out to twenty three of my friends and family in the state in Texas. Okay. 23 of my friends and family in the state of Texas, all but two of us. And look, I was, my family and I were very lucky. We were very blessed. Uh, All but myself, my family and another family were the only two out of those 23 that had power, heat and water. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how widely it affected everyone. It was just crazy. Yeah. And here, We've got, we've still got a couple towns that are without power. We were without power last weekend for most of the weekend. We got it back for like six hours and then we lost it the next day. And uh, then we got it back for about eight seconds. The lights turned on while we were sitting there. Oh, geez. To bed. We were like, yes, this is fantastic. And then everything turned off again. I mean, that's how uh, it, the- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Then it was another three hours before we actually got it back. But um, so we we're lucky enough that gas ranges are pretty much standard here. So we were still able to at least cook, um, but we had no heat, no power. We still had water, which was good. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was like camping in our own house for a couple of days, which is weird. It's crazy. That's great. Yeah, the. Uh, um... We had, uh, I mean, we have gas in our house and uh, we lost hot water for a day. And, uh, you know, but so we, we drained the, we were draining the the sinks and just trying to, we were trying to drip in the middle, just trying to, you know, so that way when mm-hmm. the, it did defrost, it would come. So we lost it for a day. So we're, we're just, we're just hoping and praying that, you know, it didn't crack something when it finally thawed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we won't know probably for quite some time, but. But uh, but yeah, we were we we're definitely one of the one of the lucky ones. A lot of a lot of families, uh, you know, affected by this. So it's uh it's uh, it's pretty uh pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Um, you know, I suppose I could have you know jetted off with my family to to our to our vacation home in Cancun, but I decided to you know, <laughs> suck it up. Uh, that's that's my political comment for the night. Um, all right, so kind of roll on, uh, roll on here. So I again. Just uh, really appreciate you guys joining uh, uh, tonight. So let's get into, uh, without further ado, kind of get into tonight's major point. Um, you know, and of all, and of course, always uh, the major point is brought to you by Baracoa Cigars. Baracoa is back, getting ready for the relaunch of the Voyage this month. Can't wait for the cigar to come back because it's been over three years. But now with the revamped blend coming out of one of the hottest factories in the industry, Danny Velasquez. Uh, Danny Vasquez, excuse me, promises if you like the original blend, you're going to love the relaunch. Stay tuned for more details on how you can enjoy the voyage and never settle Baracoa Cigar Company. So, guys, it is the major point. It's time for the major point. So here we go. Starting off. So uh, if you guys, did, if, if the Fardians didn't catch this, uh, only one cigar and one spirit made it. So we got a little bit of a twist to kind of continue the night going after we do this. But it was my cigar that got through and my spirit that got through so um we're gonna go ahead and um we're gonna go ahead and kick things off here um and so we've got the mystery cigar and uh 
and uh, the mystery spirit. I've poured mine. Has everyone poured theirs? I have poured. I have lit. Awesome. And I'm, uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around this thing still. All righty. Well, um, so let's get some, uh, let's go around the room here and get some initial thoughts. Uh, Dennis, uh, you've been, uh, uh, you've been uh, always one to kind of pick apart the Vitolas that I've uh, not in a bad way, but you've been pick pick apart the Vitolas that I usually send. So, so what do you, what do you think of this, uh, this particular cigar that I've uh, decided to send? Uh, I mean, the first thing I noticed was the ring gauge and if, correct me if I'm wrong, we're looking at a 60, right? I was thinking uh, 56 ish. It's uh, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Uh, it is, it is a, it is a 60. I was th- no, I was thinking about length there for a second. It is a 60. Oh, it is a 60. Yeah. He got me uh, nervous. And I'm like, man, if this is not a 60, I should stop smoking. No, uh, no, for a second, for two seconds, I, I, um, I thought it was, I, uh, and trip, uh, stumbled me there. I thought it was a 58 and then uh, it was re- it's, it's, it's a, it's a five, <laughs> it's five inches, five inches by 60. Okay. So. I, uh, man, I, I can, I can tell you this I, immediately, completely off the bat. The first light, the first thing that hits me is some crazy kind of fruit, stone fruit mm-hmm. flavor. Um, that was really strong. Also to be fair, I have to preface this by saying that, um, I had a couple of cigars today and on top of that, my lips are really badly sunburned from, from, uh, snowboarding. So everything just hurts that I'm trying very hard not to touch it, but I want to smoke it and I want to touch it and taste it. He, so, he's just giving excuses before he nails it. on. His <laughs> I'm trying to feign ignorance here. Um, but, but yeah, man, I, what really I'm trying to nail down right now is, is if the spice is from the cigar itself, or it's from the burn of my lips on the cigar because I burnt my, that's wrong. Man. But, I, I think this cigar definitely has a spice to it. Um, so as I said in the green room, the construction to me says, specifically the cap, says Dominican or Honduran. I'm thinking more Honduran at this point. Um, Interesting. But it's it's really well constructed, like very, very smooth, smooth lines, smooth wrapper. Um, the head is just a little, I don't know if I would say sloppy, but it's it's not a perfect cap like you sometimes see. But then mm-hmm. the spice, on the other hand, I get some definite uh, like Nicaraguan style spice from this. Uh, in addition to that, like that fruity sweetness that Dennis was talking about, there's a little bit of uh, like a, a meatiness to it. Like that savory element. It's, yeah. it's hard. We, we talk about these flavors. It's really tough because it, it's true. A lot of different tobaccos tend to have very similar when you talk about the like the bready notes you talk about the nut the nutty kind of flavors and this definitely has a, a really wide portfolio of flavors for me yeah yeah i i get a, a lot of different flavors from it i was initially getting um kind of a almond kind of note it, it's this this kind of earthy flavor that reminds me of dried almonds uh specifically like the skin of the almond like that that slightly earthy, salty flavor. I, I've, I've always found that this cigar's nuttiness really comes through. And I, I, I agree with you on that trip. I think that, I think you're spot on with that. I've always felt that it always, it always comes through particularly with the cigar. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think uh, when this, this blend was created, 
I think it took into account the the specific tobaccos used, and I think that nuttiness was was, was part of the the within the brainchild of of mm-hmm. of this particular blender, and how they used it to blend um, these other tobaccos into getting this 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 flavor component of it. So, um, initial thoughts on the spirit. I've only taken one sip. It reminds me so far of kind of a mix between scotch and bourbon. It's got the sweetness of a bourbon, but that, uh, and like those kind of molassesy characteristics. And then it's got kind of the uh, honey element that I get from some Highland scotches. Isn't it interesting how Highland scotches have that honey element to it? Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's like that's like quintessential Highland. If I'm not yeah, like, absolutely, yeah. um, which I find is just weird. Because when you think about Scotch, I, I think everyone assu- like associates like peatiness and Scotch, and there's like non-peaty mm-hmm. Scotches and peaty Scotches and everything. But like you know, peat is just such the like the antithesis of 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 honey sweetness. And and so when like you think about like Highland Scotches having that honey that honey note to it, it's kind of it's kind of it's it's a little. It doesn't like it doesn't register if like for normal scotch drinkers i think i mean i could be completely wrong on that no i i agree well De- dennis what about you what about the the, uh, the spirit yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to get a good nose on it and kind of get a sense of man it something about it is really familiar and sticks out yeah. in a very interesting way and when I say familiar, I mean, obviously I haven't had this particular spirit before, but the, the sweetness and that, that bit of heat on the back end, I really love because the heat carries a lot of the flavor. It's not just to me, it's not just like a stupid heat. Sometimes you end up with a spirit that's just overly hot and that's fine. This, I love that the heat carries the sweetness more forward for me. So caramel, vanilla, really intense and hard to nail down because i'm i'm just i'm more intrigued i'm more um i'm more confused about the spirit than the cigar itself the cigar i'm feeling pretty i think i'm feeling pretty good about it. oh here we go already he's not even an inch into it yet <laughs> I um i i think i mean because I, I, I i know i've i nailed the hibaro a couple uh, on on the on 4.0 mm-hmm uh, to the T, I had the I had the factory, the manufacturer, and the brand owner on your last right. time trip, but I missed it. It was the it was Caldwell, but it, it was the the last czar. I had I had chosen the uh, the Mad MF. Yeah, um, yeah, you were so close on that one. But De- Dennis is like Dennis is like hit it almost every single time. Like at least at least one, if not both, in the in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got a, one. Something about it, but I have to say though, all things aside, speaking to the way that you pair things, we have to give some credit to your 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 pairing and your overall taste profile when you put stuff together. Because I can tell that you really like you put some time and thought into this. I'm digging this pairing together. The spirit and the cigar is working great. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed. It. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think if memory, if I, I should write this stuff down, because then I could be, you know, actually professional about it. Um, I, I, if memory serves, I believe I've been voted the best pairing every single time. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, 
not necessarily the best beer like it. or the best cigar, but the best pairing. So, um, and I, I think you're going to take it home again tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, confidence. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm insanely confident that that's going to happen again. So I'm going to take the crown for 6.0. Uh, but let's let, let's talk about pairings for a second here and how we actually go about this uh, this kind of strategy here. So when in the past, when you guys for this show specifically, not for sharing our pairings, but for this show specifically, do you grab the beer, the beverage first? Um, I, I know I, we don't want to give away what you what you guys chose uh, when you what you all put in the mail and everything, but like, did you choose the beverage first and then went and then went to like your lexicon for selecting a cigar, or did you did you flip that that? Uh... I almost always do it that way. Okay, where so I you... choose a pairing and then okay. I I choose the spirit, the beer, whatever it is, and then try to figure out a cigar that usually has some some kind of flavor overlap and then also add some complementary element to that okay yeah same same for me so okay i do it too i do it too that way i i think and i and i think it for me i, I don't want to speak for you guys but for me the reason i do that not to sound not to sound verbose here or anything like that my my uh my 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 lexicon, my tasting for cigars is so much more superior to, to beverages and spirits. So like if I, if I smoke the cigar first and I'd be like, it's hard. I mean, I could get, I could certainly get there, I think, but like, it would be hard. It's, it's not as easy for me to like pick up a beverage and be like, Oh, you know what? This, this cigar would go great with this for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually I, what I've done in, in the past this time, I, when I drank both this spirit and this cigar, I, I like this spirit, this cigar really came to mind. Uh, I, uh, I, I thought of a little bit, a little bit potentially going another way, but I drank a little bit more of the spirit and I was like, no, what I'm going to go this direction. Um, but I'll tell you what though, on our, on our, um, on our audible that we called for the second pairing tonight, when I tasted the gin, I, my, I immediately went to the cigar that, well, you really? guys know what it is. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect for it. And I, and I'll go into reasons why later in the show, but, but yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about getting your thoughts as, as we do that too. But, uh, you know, as, as we always do on this show, um, we kind of take a break. We kind of enjoy the pairing, uh, the beverage, as we kind of discuss, we kind of alternate between serious and fun topics. And uh, so I've, I've brought a couple to the table as I, as I normally do. And then actually for the second segment, you guys have actually brought together a fun, going to uh, flip the tables on me. Mm -hmm. so you guys have got a couple of topics uh, to, to bring to the table. So, um, so I want to kind of rehash. Um, I'm going to go with the sem. We're going to start semi-serious here. Um, I mean, we already talked about the weather. I suppose we could talk about gas prices, but instead of that, um, I do want to dedicate tonight's show, gentlemen, because um, in, in someone's honor, um, because I think I think it's very appropriate and because of what this show has become. And it's become a representation of the overall community that we represent, um, cigar consumers, cigar media, and just, you know, lovers of all things, you know, fun, you know. And um, 
there, there was a man that I had the privilege of knowing uh, for a long time um, who lived a rich and colorful life like you wouldn't believe. So this man was actually one of the pioneers of underwater uh, video recording. So really? he, yeah, he really, yeah, he was, I had to, and uh, I'll, I'll bring up his name in a second, but he, uh, he pioneered underwater recording. He did hours upon hours of documentary filming for National Geographic uh, in the 60s and 70s, um, but was, was a pioneer in this, in this arena and um, went, traveled all over the world, uh, dined with kings and presidents and prime ministers um and you know taped hours upon hours of some of the most majestic creatures that you and i get to read about in books and see in some i mean some of the some of the stuff i mean his some of his footage is still used in documentaries today a lot of the stuff that my wife now teaches to her students at the zoo in fort worth is from research based on stuff that he did Wow. Um, and I mean, just an incredible man. And this man's name was Perry Tong. And Perry Tong uh, was also the owner and proprietor of Pop Safari Cigars and Fine Wines in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, which happened to be the very first cigar lounge that I ever went into. And uh, for people who know this show, uh, know my story. That is where my story began in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I smoked a cigar for the first time on my 18th birthday. It was a Fonseca, like I've told many people. Um, but my first real experience with premium cigars was with old Jack Sandlin. I walked into a La Flor Dominicana event thinking I was big and bad and I was going to buy an, a Romeo and Julieta. Nothing wrong with buying a Romeo and Julieta, but I just, you know, heard it was cool. And that's when I walked into Pop Safari and was going to purchase a Romeo and Julieta. And Jack Sandlin pulls his arm around me and says, no, you're going to smoke a La Flor Dominicana. And that was it. But it was Perry um, that welcomed me in that day. And it was Perry who, every time I came around, uh, made me feel like I was at home. Um, I wrote every single paper that I ever wrote in college at Pop Safari. He had a little corner ready for me every time I walked in. And uh, in 2000 and, uh, and 10 years ago, he gave me my first job in premium cigars and he let me uh let me work at pop safari for a number of years before uh before i get the privilege of now working for mike peacock at michael's tobacco of Ulysses. um but it was perry who got me my start and uh and it, i would like to dedicate this show in his honor and in his memory because this past week he uh he passed away um so Gentlemen, raise your glasses to Perry Tong. A life well lived. Cheers to Perry. Well said. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so I, I wanted, like I said, semi-serious in the in the agenda for this gentleman because I wanted to I wanted to turn this into a positive um, note in the in the wake of his death. But um, what was the first cigar lounge? That you ever did there's got to be a story there it could be short it could be long but i i don't want to get your your takes on uh on your first lounge experiences so uh um so uh trip i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you 
I don't remember what the first lounge I went in was. Okay. I, I might, but I'm not 100% certain on it. Um, the first one that I can recall going in was around 2005, I believe. I went to, uh, we used to go to this cabin in Virginia with my family. My, my grandparents would go there. My aunts and uncles, we would all stay in this cabin uh, and do Thanksgiving. But ever since I was, I don't know, probably 12 or so when we started doing it, my uncle and who eventually became his two son-in-laws, his daughter's husbands, um, they would go outside and smoke cigar three or four times a day um, and just, you know, be out there having fun. And I turned 18 and they said, hey, you want to come have a cigar with us? And I was like, nah, I'll, <laughs> I'll stick to my cigarettes. Those are more my speed at the time. Uh, then a couple years later, I had quit cigarettes for a while and I had just, I had gone to like a corner store or something and bought a Garcia Vega or whatever and smoked it and thought like, I want to become a cigar guy. So I ordered a couple cigars the next year when I went down for Thanksgiving, um, I went and I smoked a couple cigars with them. The, they still talk about, or my uncle still talks about uh, how I, I could just demolish a cigar in, in seconds. Like I smoked <laughs> so fast. I smoked faster than Dennis smokes. Um, but on black Friday, eventually became a tradition but i still remember the very first time we did it uh we drove into washington dc and went to jr cigar in georgetown um bought a couple cigars and then we went to a like you could still smoke in bars in dc back then so we went across oh, wow. the street to an irish pub uh drank a couple guinnesses while we smoked cigars and uh that was the first actual experience i remember like being able to smoke somewhere that I was having a drink. The next one I remember was Merchants East in New York City. But I, I think there were a couple in between there that I'm, I'm forgetting about. That's cool. Like, uh, speaking of, so speaking of New York, did you guys ever, uh, did you ever attend, did, happen to, did you ever guys happen to go into Nat Sherman? Oh, absolutely. Okay. There's a story Dan there. Okay. I see. I never had the opportunity. We'll we'll we'll, we'll digress for a second because I mean, I'm, what was the what was the Nat Sherman experience that y'all had? Uh, I will say this. Um, actually, funny enough, Nat Sherman was the first shop that I like shop shop that oh, I walked. Okay. Into well, this is perfect. Great. I had segue. Um, I created on purpose. Fantastic. Um, which is which is yeah, perfect segue. Man, I I remember. I only remember it because of. Two things. First of all, I was terrified to go in because it's it, it's Nat Sherman. It's imposing. At the time, I was smoking probably, I think, like, I got the Five Vegas, like, 300 cigar sampler with the humidor thing, and I thought yeah. I was hot shit, right? Um, <laughs> so I walk into Nat Sherman, and, of course, Nat Sherman's a class. They joint, and you have a gentleman in there smoking, and everyone just looks up. Because I walked in, and I jeans and sneakers and, like, a Motley Crue t-shirt, and I just go to the humidor. <laughs> And like awkward because I feel uncomfortable. I don't know where it is. I don't know. People are looking at me. Nobody wants to talk to me really. Right. It's one of those moments of it's humbling. It was really humbling for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and it you, wasn't until you don't seem ago. the type to get intimidated. This is interesting. Oh, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because I realized at that point that 
I really had no idea what I was doing. And I was this young kid um, trying to enter this, this realm that to me was so foreign and uh, seemed this, the grandeur, right? The, the cigar smoking experience to me seemed like this really incredible thing. And, and it is. Uh, but at the time, I was deathly afraid of it. And so I kind of stumbled into the humidor and I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. And I kind of tried to make it seem I feigned um, like I knew what I was talking about, which obviously I didn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I sat there awkwardly and thought about smoking the cigar there. And eventually I just chickened out and I left with this. I bought a cigar and I left. Um, and it took some time. It took months for me to come back and really sit down and talk to the people and get to know the people there. And uh, it's been awesome since obviously no more, unfortunately, but those were some great memories. What was your, what was your experience like Tro, at that Sherman? Uh, similar to Dennis's. I, I found it to be a very intimidating store when I was younger. Uh, I was probably, I don't know, 21 when I went there for the first time and, you know, felt like I have, I don't know, whatever, whatever it was, a hundred dollars in my bank account or something. And I'm going into this fancy place buying $15 cigars. <laughs> and I remember feeling like, you know, the tiny fish in the pond, but I, you know, I, I don't think I ever actually smoked a cigar there, but I remember going to places like Barclay Rex and the Davidoff on shop on Madison. Uh, and I spent many days smoking at those places and, you know, it, it fell into this comfort thing where that was kind of where I realized that when you go to a cigar bar, everybody is kind of the same. Like that's where I realized that cigars completely level uh, differences in class and differences in, you know, what your job is and uh, who you are into cigar smokers. And it's, uh, you know, since then cigars have changed my life where you know, I cigars are a bridge now where I meet new people over cigars and you're immediately friends. Um, but yeah, the first time in that Sherman, I remember it was very, very intimidating and it felt like I was too poor to be there. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, that, that was me, man. I mean, I, 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 you know, I really wish I'd had the opportunity to go there, but that was kind of like when I, when I first walked into, when I first walked into Pop Safari, you know, um, go back to, to, to my story for a moment like that. I, I think I was just so cocky and so brash and I knew, I thought I, you know, I thought I knew what I wanted. So I had like this reference point of like, Oh, you know, Romeo and Julieta, I can definitely, you know, I can ask for that and not, not sound like a total idiot, you know? And so, you know, I walk in with, with this kind of, you know, this, this kind of cocky nature to me and, and, um, and you know they just kind of they just kind of brushed that aside and welcomed me in and it was just so it it, it was so it was such a family an instant family uh, you know kind of oh, thing yeah. you know it was just it, it's incredible you know yeah. we we've you know we've said it countless times on our shows countless times in conversation well you just said a moment trip it's just like it's such it, the, the greatest equalizer on the planet is a cigar yeah absolutely um, so, you know, I think that, you know, it kind of begs, the, I, I usually, I've been asking this question towards the end of my show about like, okay, so now we've entered into, uh, this, 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 the vaccine has now been released. And so now, you know, it seems to be the, the, what we're all hoping is the beginning of the end of this, this COVID era. Right. And, uh, 
one of the things I'm looking forward to is just is just sitting in a lounge again and and just without you know any kind of reservation at all and just and, and just being one with the cigar family once more. I think I think that's yeah, I agree. So um what okay, so to kind of take a play off of the same thing. So like okay, so that was your y'all's first experiences. I, I don't want to say favorite because that just like there's probably so many to count. But what what's if you can if you can pull a memory, like what is one of one of not the most memorable, but what is one of your most memorable cigar lounge experiences? Like where did you go? When did you you know, what did you pop in? Do you remember what you smoked? Dennis, Dennis, do you have a do you have do you have a, do you have a story? Um, yeah, man. I uh, a company that I used to work for previously, uh, we'll call it pre-COVID. Uh, when I first started, uh, I found out that pretty much everybody on the team, all the all the guys on the team, they loved cigars. They're big cigar nuts. And one day they did. I think probably I was two weeks in. Uh, we all decided to go out to. Uh, oh man, what was it called? Carnegie Club. In New York, which is in and of itself, it's a it's a pretty snazzy, cool, hip kind of spot, right? That's that's one of those milestone, not milestone. It's uh, one of those. What do you call it? Trip? What's the English word for it? <laughs> our um, first our first English word. Asking. Um, well, it's 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 one of those places you have to go, right? When you're in New York, you have to visit it at least yeah. once. <laughs> so we went out to to uh, have some cigars and drinks there after work, and hanging out with probably I don't know fifteen or sixteen people from the office. Uh, I ran into uh, Matt Booth, and then I ran to Lars Tiedens, <laughs> and it was just after that, man, the whole night just exploded into this fever dream of hanging out and smoking and catching up, and it was just wild for me. It was really cool. Gosh, Lars Tiedens and Matt Booth, I can't imagine being in the same conversation with those two guys. Yeah. Like, that's that's a that's a roller coaster ride in itself. Oh, it was an it was a night to remember. Honestly, it was, it was so awesome and and just off the cuff like that, right? Not not expected. I mean, that beat that beat seriously. That beats any amusement ride, like hands <laughs> down. I mean, I mean, did it like did was there any like coherent thought whatsoever through the string of conversation, or did it just bounce around so much that you don't even remember? Man, it it was it was basically very, very bouncy. Yeah, to your point, man, it's. Because they play off of each other very well. And you know, you know, Booth, man, everybody knows the way he rolls and you just kind of have fun with it. And you don't really, you don't just sit down and chat. You just, you're on an experience to your point, you're on a ride and you just you enjoy as much as you can. That's how it is with both of them. Uh, when you're in a conversation with either of those men, uh, you hold on and the conversation goes where it goes. <laughs> you hold on for dear life. Yeah. Now I, I think, you know, I, I think we all have a, a booth story, but like, um, you know, I, I had one of the time, the, uh, the take where I actually interviewed him on this show was probably uh, one of the calmest moments I've ever seen him. And um, it was such an incredible conversation. I mean, just, I wouldn't even call it an interview. It was just a really incredible conversation. Um, but no, I, my, one of my favorite Matt Booth stories is like the second or third time I met him and I had him sign a box of cigars for me. And I was pretty, I was pretty stoked because it was a, a Daruma gold box. Cause I love that cigar. That was back mm -hmm. when he had the Daruma golden and he, <laughs> he signed it and then drew a picture of a penis ejaculating all <laughs> over his signature. It was of course pretty, it's pretty, 
Yep. <laughs> pretty, pretty vivid. <laughs> it was, uh, man, he's, he's both of those guys truly like, like it's, it's, it, the, the term doesn't fit because there's two of them, but like, I mean, they're just one, they're one of a kinds, you know, like just originals. Yeah. They, Which, they both are in different ways. <laughs> well, um, Gentlemen, I really appreciate you talking about your some of your fond memories of lounges and stuff, and kind of remembering uh, uh, my good friend Perry, um, who's uh, he was a good mentor to me, and and uh, again, life well lived. Um, and it's just uh, it's uh, it's too bad that he's no longer with us, but uh, but it's 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 nice to to recant some good stories about him. But uh, <laughs> um, so so this uh, we actually had another uh, another feel good moment uh, in the last couple of months since the last time you uh, we met on this show um are you are you guys still with me i think trip froze again oh i did yeah. <laughs> yeah. awesome picture man yeah good picture <laughs> um so um so i had the um we'll call it a privilege um just because of the company that i was in uh not because of the activity that took place but um as everybody knows in the in my audience now uh, is well aware of this my 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 loathing for um for the uh the actor uh, chevy chase um, and, uh, it all, it, uh, the legend started, uh, when it was, I guess the 30th anniversary of uh, Christmas vacation. And I shared a post on Facebook and I said, I know I'm, I said, I knew it. I knew it. I know I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take a lot of shit for this, but this movie is total crap. And I mean, for, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like the Facebook news cycle, I'm still baffled by this. I'm still blown away by this. The Facebook news cycle is like one of true 24 hours, right? Like you post something, Oh, yeah. You know, however many comments or likes or shares, or whatever you get off of it, it's like a 24 hour cycle. And then it kind of dies off into the next round of whatever. Right. And uh, that thing stayed alive for like four fucking weeks on Facebook. Like uh, for four <laughs> weeks, I'd see a new comment or a new like, you know, emoji shared with it. Like, you know, usually one of bitter disappointment and, and, and hatred towards me. But uh, for taking such a stance, but it was, it was, it just kind of is grown into this thing where, I mean, I, I mean, I knew I was going to take shit for it, but I mean, I had no idea how many Chevy Chase fans like were out there. Uh, it was like, I, I called down the thunder of like, you know, and the soul of his mom, I suppose. And just, yeah. take, just taking so much shit over this over the past year. And um, it also, so, so Joe Grow, uh, head of marketing for Drew Estate, uh, starts uh, starts it in on Thanksgiving Day, man. Starts needling me, posting and uh, posting a scene or a, a quote from uh, Christmas Vacation and tagging me on every single one, and and it morphs into this this uh, what eventually becomes a viewing party. Um, uh, he issued a challenge, and I sat down to watch Christmas Vacation with uh, with a few of my uh, good friends, including the two of you guys, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we uh, we watched a fucking terrible movie and then raise some money for some charity in the process so um i i i said this to you guys i called you guys that week after it uh, but i i really wanted to take this opportunity uh, sincerely to thank the two of you and everybody else that that took uh took uh participated in it um it sincerely it, it means a lot to me that you guys would would pay money to my charity of choice just to sit and watch me be miserable um <laughs> it was or, fantastic but it I was mean, i think it was well worth it it was it was a lot we had fun you know we had a lot of fun time. yeah um y- y- y'all didn't hate on me for you know every you know a chance i got i had you know i had hatred dispute so 
it was uh it was it was a lot of fun we enjoyed we enjoyed the hell out of it so i was really uh i think i was more more than anything i was just shocked by the response i think it was it was it was just pretty incredible and and coop had some excellent commentary throughout the film the really kind of director's cut level commentary that i thought was cool it really was it was like he had he had actually written like co-written the co-written the script himself man it was pretty it was pretty it was it was pretty analytical and detailed i'm not gonna lie are we sure that Coop isn't actually Chevy Chase? He might be. No, yeah, have you seen? Yeah, have you seen Chevy Chase and Coop in the same room together? <laughs> I never <Right>. have. <laughs> which would make things incredibly awkward, considering how much I hate Chevy Chase, right? And then I'm partnered with the guy on on another podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Coop right. says Vegas Vacation is next. I think maybe if uh, uh, maybe we should do that in place of the PCA this year, since PCA is. Uh, very, very likely not going to happen. Uh, but there's the, you know, there's the Vegas connection there. I'm game. No pun intended. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. What the hell did I start? Um. <laughs> so it it this begs the question though. So I, I we've we've done a similar discussion on previous versions of the show where we've talked about like things that we we hate that people love things that we love that people hate. Um, but we haven't taken a, we haven't taken an obvious look at this particular on this particular Avenue, which is uh, a celebrity or actor. We'll, we'll go with actor here. So, so I, obviously mine's Chevy Chase apparently, but um, what is an actor that you hate that everyone just seems to just adore and cherish? I've got a couple. But the one that I would love to call out that I just do not understand how he even finds work is Colin Farrell. He is awful in almost, almost without exception in Colin Farrell. pretty much every movie he's in. Wow. He is just so bad. And like the days of uh, like when he was in Minority Report and then uh, Phone Booth. And then there was a whole bunch of like action movies that he was in after Phone Booth. And he was just terrible in all of them. And even to this day, he's like, he's bad in everything. Horrible Bosses was great. Come on. That was a good movie, but uh, you know, he wasn't really a main character in that. No, but he played you, himself. Yeah. You didn't like, you didn't like the recruit with Al Pacino. That was a pretty good movie, but Colin but he, Farrell was a terrible, terrible. actor. In it. <laughs> I, I think I've, I, interestingly enough, I think I've always been indifferent towards him. Like, I, I feel like most people are, but I, I've known a couple of people who are like fans of him and they're like, ooh, the new Colin Farrell movie's out. I got to go see the it. New call, uh, and no, I'm I, like, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me because he's bad. He's just not a good actor. I, yeah, I'm pretty indifferent. I mean, like, I mean, I, I really enjoy the movie SWAT. Uh, not be- again, not because of him, even though he's like the main character. And like, I think Jer- Jeremy Renner as a villain is just fucking incredible. That was a good movie. Um, Samuel L. Jackson does Samuel L. Jackson things, you know. <laughs> That's um, right. You know, uh, you know, Josh Charles, you know, like Dead Poet goes from Dead Poet Society to that. You know, like I thought he was pretty good in it as well. And who doesn't love who doesn't love a good love a good LL Cool J, you know, appearance. Classic. Oh yeah, but again, like I, I think to 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 Tripp's point though, like I've just been indifferent toward to Colin Farrell. Like I don't think 
like I don't think he's done anything of like remarkable standing. Like Alexander was a fucking train wreck. Oh yeah. Like that was like oh god that that was a terrible film. Like he was t- everyone was terrible just, in that. Yeah, film. just from every angle. Like it's just awful. I mean, you take the the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest commanding general in the history of the world, and you you know turn it into that shit, and it just like geez man that's just terrible um i mean trying to ca- trying to cap like we you know i did a show on gladiator a few a couple months back with uh justin andrews and sam spencer and mm-hmm. we love that film and the uh the subsequent swords and sandals films that came after it were just just pale in comparison but that just that set swords and sandals back you know decades because that was oh, just yeah. an awful awful film awful right. Um, Colin Farrell, interesting. Okay, all right. I just hate him. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't lend an opinion on it. Uh, I know Matt Ty's watching tonight. Matt Ty doesn't like John Wayne, which fucking blew my mind. Um, wow. Yeah, that's okay. a little crazy to me. Yeah, but I'm 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 kind of in the in the Colin Farrell camp that you are with John Wayne, where I'm I'm more indifferent than anything, but I know he's an American treasure. But I'm still surprised that Matt actively does not like him. Yeah, it's kind of just wow. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was like, how come no one's giving him shit? Like, like, like we're sitting here, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here catching like catching everything over Chevy Chase, but you know, like American icon of John Wayne and, and Matt's over here, like ah, don't like him. Like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so Dennis, what about you? everybody knows that the best the best westerns are from italy <laughs> uh so no, my mine is I, I i seem to really upset a lot of people when i bring this up and it, it happens from time to time can't be worse but than people, me people get, no certainly i don't think it's anywhere near on chevy chase level because <laughs> chevy chase is fantastic and this guy is just awful um you guys what's the guy's name from uh from dexter is that michael c hall is that his name? So. Yeah. That that guy just fucking drives me crazy. I don't know why. I just can't stand him. That's a slightly obscure pick. <laughs> Dude, yeah. and I hate Damian Lewis as well, which is weird. I don't maybe I don't like gingers. I don't know. Is it you don't ginger? like Damian Lewis, really? No, I, I don't know why. Hmm. I think Homeland was great without him. All the scenes without him are awesome. You mean like the last four seasons? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because you have Mandy Patinkin, which is you know, that's the guy. That's who you want to watch, really. But yeah, Michael C. Hall. I don't know. And people get really upset. How do you feel about Kiefer Sutherland? I do like him. Okay. But 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 the thing the problem is that he'll never be as great as Donald. Like that's my thing. Donald is my guy. Kiefer is he's like the backup. If I need a stunt guy for some backup scenes, maybe. A stunt Sutherland? Stunt Sutherland, yeah. He doesn't sell it as well as as Don, man. I think. I I think that I, they're just they're, and I I think to 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 Kiefer's credit, he didn't really follow follow in his father's footsteps. Like he's a completely <laughs> different actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I think Donald Sutherland is brilliant. Um, I I I, I do catch a lot of shit because I I think the film is fantastic. Um. And I know that Joe Joe D is actually in the in the chat tonight. He's a you know appreciate his service. He's a proud fireman. 
as well as cigar broker up in the new England area. And, uh, but he, he was talking the other day, he was like, yeah, I'm watching backdraft. And, and I was like, man, isn't that, isn't that blasphemy for your kind? Cause I've, I've mentioned that movie cause oh, yeah. I have several firemen friends and, and, uh, and they just, they just fucking hate that film. And, and, uh, but God, Donald, Donald Sutherland is fucking brilliant in that movie. He is such a sociopath. I mean, it's just nuts. He is just sick and depraved and it's, it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. performance. He's incredible. Really underrated performance by Robert De Niro. You don't get to say that very often, too. Yeah, you're right. I'd never thought about it that way. So Michael C. Hall and Colin Farrell. Wow. What's okay? So is Alexander the like? Did you ever actually see Alexander Trip, or were you like yeah, Colin Farrell? It was awful. Back? Oh, okay. Is that the worst? Is that the worst of Colin Farrell? I I, I think it probably is. it has to be right. But I mean. Uh, I haven't looked at his IMDb in a while, so I don't remember all the movies that he ruined. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's that's in the number one slot for sure. Well, they they I think because he was terrible in it too. But I think they also did a terrible job with the film. But because I, I love I love the comic, and they just did an awful job with it. But I love Daredevil, the comic, and then oh yeah, absolutely. And then the film and the, that the they movie did was just a complete train wreck. And Colin Farrell was awful in that, but again, that was that was more of that was less because of him and more just because the movie was bad, bad, bad. <laughs> For once, he didn't he didn't knock he didn't knock it down necessarily. The notch, yeah, exactly. It was, he it was already he didn't there. Take anything anything away from that movie that it wasn't already taken away from itself. All right, so you guys are both comic guys. So which 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 film is worse, Daredevil or Green Lantern? Oh. Because I love both those comics and both those movies were atrocious, in my opinion. I think Daredevil's worse. Because Green Lantern was bad, but it was more about like bad CGI. Uh, and and also it was more, I felt like Green Lantern was at least more true to the character than Daredevil was. Daredevil was like barely da- barely Daredevil, I felt like. I felt like Daredevil was like more in the vein of like Dick Tracy. Like it would have been cutting edge in like the late eighties. And then, but yet yeah. it happened in the early two thousands and you're like, what the fuck is this doing here? Yeah. I think that was the big problem with Daredevil is that it was just a movie out of its time and it did not age well. <laughs> yeah. And, and Colin Farrell's awful on it too. So yeah, I mean, but like I said, I think it was already, it was already like below standard anyway like he didn't he didn't really move the the pendulum either way he didn't make it worse he just yeah exactly. it just contributed to the the horrific nature that it was so interesting so um all right well any i'm, I'm gonna just kind of open it up here any any anybody else want to add uh, another actor that they're that they hate that that, that 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 just seems to be beloved i can't think of another one at least not at the moment. I had I had another one on the tip of my tongue before, and now I forgot what it was. Because yeah. I, I can't I can't really I can't really think of anyone that I, I really don't like. Because someone asked me that the other day, like, "Oh, you hate Chevy Chase? Well, who else do you hate?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, like I really, yeah, I really. I mean, obviously not to that level, but I can't even really. I think my hatred for Chevy Chase is just so deep." Yeah. And so like, you know, 
I mean, it's so thick and rich. You could drizzle that shit over pancakes. Like it's just like You're anything devoted. else pales in comparison. What's that? You're devoted. You got to be devoted, man. You, you can't, you can't flip flop around. Well, I, I got, uh, I got accused a couple of times of like, Oh, that I'm just being over the top for like the sake of just being over the top. But I was like, no guys, I really don't fucking think he's funny at all. I mean, over like, the top. Like, I mean, movie. I mean, I do hate, I do hate the television show Seinfeld, which is a hugely popular, huge, yeah. popular. I'm, I'm in the minority with that um, for sure as well. But I like Jerry Seinfeld's comedy. I think, I, I think, I, like I think he's, I think he's funny. I just think the show is terrible and I don't think he's funny in the show. Cause like he does the those bits, like a, a personification of a lot of his jokes. But it's it's but in that baffle everyone tells me that that baffles me because like the the stand up that he would do to like I think he does like that I think he does an intro and a closing yeah like right? the cutaway stand the cut yeah I thought those were the funniest parts of the show um you know but I I maybe maybe it was just a culmination of the characters and stuff but I mean the, the only thing saving grace about that that television show is that Kramer smoked cigars in my opinion so like that was just like <laughs> the only thing about it um. And I can't, I can't stand Jason. Actually, I can't stand Jason Alexander. Okay, there we go. There's another guy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him either. I, everything he's in, I feel like he hacks it up. Well, the idea of him actually, like, like apparently him getting some, like in like every other episode, and like having a bunch of women and stuff, like, like they were all mi- like failed, miserable attempts at his sex life. But it was just like the idea of a woman wanting to sleep with that man just kind of like made me <laughs> makes me puke still to this day. Like makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit um i think that's fair um yeah like it just it uh, totally unrealistic but but yeah just uh yeah don't like the show either it's terrible but uh i know i I know i i can't i catch grief on that one too but not as much though i feel like i kept the chevy chase thing has kind of taken on in a life of its own it's really it's really interesting oh matt ty says amy schumer yes i completely agree with that she is she is just a bad actress and not funny kind of kind of indifferent towards her too but yeah i mean i'm like yeah there's nothing i tell you what i tell you what 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 amy schumer reminds me of it's like i think amy schumer really wants to be like eliza schlesinger because eliza schlesinger is funny i think she's i think she's hilarious Um, i had to google who amy schumer was now i realize i don't like her because i know her by the face but you're right, Barry. You have a super good point, man. Eliza, I'm not gonna say it because I can't pronounce it. But Eliza with the long name, she's great. She's oh, she's like I. I still use some of her. Like she, she won the last comic standing, the TV show. That's that's how I found out about her too. Was, yeah, that was the only season of that show I ever watched. It was she was fantastic. And she was fantastic. I still, I still, honest to God, I still use. I still like, and I and I credit her for it. But I still, I still, I still quote some of her comedy from from that from that that series um because she talks about it it just reminds me she talks about one of her bits is she's talking about her high school gym teacher who like had these like really tight khaki shorts um that like when and he would like stand and he would like mount his like his hand like like the the, you know captain morgan style like mount his leg on top and like you could see like the seams of his khaki shorts and it was like a topographical mountain in a map of the andes (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like i f- just i i was rolling on the ground and i still i still use that bet because i just think she's she's just hilarious i mean she is just comical and some of her like her netflix specials are also just just yeah, yeah. i mean just hilarious i i think she's 
I think she's funny as hell. Um, oh, I got another one. The stand-up comedy reminded me of it. Jeff Dunham, the puppet guy. Not funny. <laughs> he was so big, and I just do not find him funny. I find him obnoxious. Well, um, Coop. Coop's got an interesting take. Yes, he does. I've been I've been seeing that. Tina Fey. Ooh, I disagree. Hates, I think Tina Fey would funny. rather have a root canal, he says. Wow. I think Coop's off base. A root canal. Man, I mean, she's likable. Like, I mean, I, I he did say, he said she's a bad actress, though, which I can I can understand that. She's not the best actress. I, man, the the date night movie with her and Carell is hilarious. Still yeah. one of my favorite, like favorite movies to watch with my wife. Um. Oh wow, Dennis, your 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 wife should ch- chime least, in here. I just saw that come in hot off the press, and I can attest to this. She absolutely despises Tom Cruise in any form, like oh. print media, digital huh. media, any kind of. <laughs> Cruise and Tom in one sentence is just it's not good. It's a no go. I mean, part of me can understand that because this will this will come up later, actually, in one of our mm-hmm. other. But the separation of a person and their art, to me, uh, is Tom Cruise is one of the people where I can very easily separate that. He is a just a creepy, weird lunatic. Mem- I, I can't quite say leader, almost leader of a cult. Uh, but he's, he, he's, he's such a, leader a good cult, actor. Yeah. No, he's a leader he's, of cult. Yeah, <laughs> but he's such a good actor. Like. I would never want to be in the same room as him. I've seen interviews with him where like, he's just, he's not a person. Like he's, he's a more dangerous version of Crispin Glover. I feel like. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's an expert at imitating human behavior, uh, but only in movies. Like whenever you see him interviewed, uh, he's just so weird. Because he's not human. This is the thing we need to remind everyone of that. that, that well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But <laughs> like any movie he's in, I, I feel like he just crushes it. Like, I, I don't think there's anybody in a movie that runs better than he does. That's true. And he does it in every fucking film. With the exception yeah. of Tropic Thunder, which I, I that that look talk about you were talking about a film that has not aged well. You know, oh, yeah. in 2021, <laughs> but it's on Prime right now, and I gotta, I gotta be honest, I fucking watched it like ten times in the last week, like just, just had it looping, man. I, oh, yeah. I just, oh god, I can't, I can't, I, I, I don't know what it is. I just can't. I, I mean, I watched that in the theater with a couple of buddies of mine when it first came out, and it was awful then. It's awful now. It's off color. It's inappropriate. It's, I mean, it's. I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit about, you know, you know how things have aged here in a minute uh as well but i mean just just unbelievable like just that performance less grossman man uh he is just because that was like his comeback man after he went off on the what off the deep end like what it was the second time mm-hmm. i feel like he's gone off on the deep end like like three times in his career but like i think that was the second time that was like his comeback was less grossman in tropic thunder and uh i'm gonna ask a stupid question did you guys know it was him? Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't until the credits rolled. No, like way. I, I 
I remember watching that movie in my apartment with my roommate and I saw it and I was like, that's Tom Cruise. What the hell? But it, I, it did take me a second, I think. Yeah. Sean Miles says Hulk Hogan. I mean, no one, I, I don't think anybody ever said Hulk Hogan was a good actor. Yeah. No, but he was perfectly crappy in all the films he was in. And those roles were great back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, what was it, Mr. Nanny? I think was one yeah. of the movies. Mr. Mom, Mr. Nanny, something Mr. Like Mom, something like something that. like that. Joe D says Matthew McConaughey, pure trash. Man, talk about my talking about my fellow Texan there, dude. I yeah, I I disagree with that one too. I'm I can I can get why people don't like him because he's like, oh, he's almost the same person in every role. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's like that Owen Wilson type of typecast where like no matter what he's in. He's kind of pretty much the same person. And once in a while, he breaks out of that, but not usually. Uh, Joe, Joe D's from New England, man. And he's even hating on his own, his own air, his own, oh. his own he's on his own uh, backyard, man. He's Ben Affleck. He's throwing in there. Yeah, man. So he, I, I hate Ben Affleck post Goodwill hunting for like 10 years. Cause he, yeah. I like Ben Affleck jiggly or GG or whatever the fucking, yeah. G. Yeah, that that Ben Affleck. Yeah, I'm I'm with Joe D on that because that yeah he oh. had some real bad years there. Yeah, but paycheck. Yeah, pay, reindeer like, games. Reindeer games. Ben Affleck, the town. That was his big comeback. Like that and, movie is unbelievable. And uh, the um, oh god, shit. The movie he did uh, that he wrote directed uh, about the uh, the hostage uh, rescue out of Iran. Um, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Argo. Argo. Argo yeah. yeah, fuck, fuck Argo. Fuck yourself. Yeah, Argo. Fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I love film. Reindeer Games. By the way, just so you know, don't hate me. I loved Reindeer Games. Yeah. I watched I, it when it came out. I was young. I, I thought it was snazzy for the time. It didn't age well. Yeah, I think Matt Ty's got a point. You know, he's gotten better with age. He's like a great director. Yeah. I think I think Ben Affleck proved his point when him and Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting that he is far he understands film and he is far superior behind the camera than he is in front of it. Yeah, I, I think for the most part he is too. He stars in his own movies though, so he ends up on camera. But I, I do agree it's more about his writing and direction than it is about his acting that makes those good movies yeah i think well i think the casting in argo specifically was was just incredible like i thought john goodman was great uh alan arkin's fantastic um these these rising stars that he casted to be the hostages and i can't and can't think of any of them by name but they're they've been in several films like you they're like they're those that guys and gals like oh yeah i've seen them in that you know and they're really good. They're just really good actors and actresses. I thought they were uh, he really well, really, really well done. Kyle Chandler makes a nice little uh, cameo kind of small appearance in that film. I think he's really great. Um, but yeah, uh, Brian Cranston's in Argo too. Who doesn't oh, love, yeah. who doesn't love Brian Cranston? Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think Argo's a, a fantastic film. That's, that's great. I love when the chat gets going on this stuff. Like, you know, you could just start rolling. Like, Me too. This is how this is how the show ends up being five hours, guys. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, well, that's uh, 
I, I appreciate y'all throwing y'all self into the fire along with me on, of course, no one said anything as, as bad as Chevy Chase, apparently. So no one's, no one's, <laughs> no one's lighting the we chat didn't get on anybody fire up in arms. Yeah. Serious man. Calm down. The th- I, I equate it to, I equate it to uh, the, uh, this tweet that I did when, you know, Twitter was like, like young and hot and stuff. And I remember getting on Twitter and I was, you know, uh, when I first started getting on Twitter, I started talking about cigars, and that's what I was using Twitter for specifically was about cigars. And and uh, I remember when um, um, weed was being considered. This was back. This was back far back. Was being considered uh, le- to be legalized in the state of New York, right? And um, and this was after the smoking bans, and this was after the soda bans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I remember stating, I was like, it was this, this article that I, that I read that I think it was, it was the New York, uh, I don't think it was the times it was, it was the post maybe or something like that. And I shared it on Twitter and I said, so let me get this straight. And this is, this was my comment. And, 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 and I, I fully fall on the sword on this. I, I mischaracterized what cannabis is or what marijuana is. Cause I said, let me get this straight. Uh, soda and narcotics bad, uh, or a good, or no, excuse me, narcotics good, soda and tobacco bad. And not, I mean, I got so many retweets and so many tweets off of that fucking thing. Like it was just insane. And not one motherfucker says anything about tobacco or anything like that. Everyone just railing on me for railing on weed. It's not an arc. <laughs> it's not a narcotic. It's, it's less dangerous than this. And it does this. Like, I mean, I mean, this was 10, this was like 10 years ago, guys. Like, yeah, like not today. Like, I mean, if I said that today, like, holy crap. Like, I mean, we would have had people with their, you know, they would be, you would be posting like, yeah, you would have had a protest outside your house by now. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Led by, uh, by Riste of uh, JSK, you know, with his, with his nugs. (laughs) He'd be handing out nugs to everybody in the crowd. So, um, you know, (laughs) um, has anyone so has anyone tried the nugs? You guys have tried it, right? Yeah, I've smoked the green one, not yeah. the purple one. So I, I, it's it's nothing it's nothing against Riste and it's nothing against JSK or anything like that. I think he makes some really great cigars. I'll never smoke the nugs. It's just a it's it's a per, it's a personal choice on my end. Um, but I, what I will say about Riste on 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 this, this this decision to actually produce nugs, what a what a brilliant business move. Yeah, I mean. From 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 uh, from my boy Joe D in the in the chat from a business perspective, I mean, just fantastic, right? I mean, just I mean, un- unbelievable. Um, the for I guess the foresight <laughs> and the direction that things are going and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I I think it's going to be at least somewhat commonplace in five or ten years. Oh, I mean, it already is. I mean, I mean. CBD is being sold everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. I mean, um, so uh, there's this, uh, I love this, this pizza joint uh, down here. It's, it's a chain. It's called Marco's that they're all over the country. Um, Really. I really, I really love their pizza. They're fantastic. And uh, for whatever reason, a bunch of franchisors were attaching them Marco's chains next to family videos. Do you guys remember family video? Mm Mm-hmm like a really, really, really rundown version of Blockbuster. It was, yeah, it was low budget Blockbuster. But it actually stayed afloat longer than Blockbuster has. It just, re- so it just recently went out of business. But 
um, like they, so the Marcos in my neighborhood, you know, had the family video attached to it and the family video started selling CBD. Like I shit you not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could buy CBD stuff in the checkout line at every grocery store in town. It's crazy. It's just nuts. Well, guys, I guess I know we have, we've, we've had, we've definitely had some fun, uh, this topic and everything. So how's, how's the cigar tasting? How's the, how's the, how's the spirit tasting? How's everyone enjoying this tonight so far? I think this is a good pairing. Um, the, the cigar to me has gotten more woody and earthy, I guess, less, less of the spice and fruit, the whiskey. I can't decide whether I feel more like it is a high proof or young single malt or a more, more regular proof bourbon. Cause I feel like it's got like that burn, but I can't tell whether it's corn or high proof malt. Okay. I'm leaning more towards a malt at this point. I feel like this is a single malt of some kind. Yeah, I was leaning on the other side, actually, on, on more of the, the bourbon side of the house. But as far as the cigar goes, I uh, I think I finished my cigar like half an hour ago or 20 minutes, 25 minutes ago. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what cigar? I'm just, I'm, you know, kind of waiting for you guys to catch up. No rush. I'm just here. Were you already, did you already start your other spirit with it before you finished? No, I, I, uh, I, so yes, I did start the other spirit, but I had to put it down, man. Because honestly, my pairing, my off like random pairing that I, I put together was terrible. Your shot in the dark pairing? My shot in the dark pairing was not good for, for that cigar. Let me pour mine and see how it goes because I forgot we were going to do that. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite spirits. And I, I feel awful for even saying anything terrible about it. But they just did, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay. Joe D's smoking a Casa Cuevas Natural Reserva and some Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden, man. I feel like, I think Basil Hayden gets more underrated by the year. Really? Underrated. Underrated. Like, Actually, com- com- I, I, I guess that's true because a few years ago it was, it w- I, I felt like a few years ago it was very overrated. And then over the years, it's kind of... Uh, you know, the, the hype train has slowed down a little bit, which I think has been a good thing for it. Because I, I feel like eight years ago or so, like, people were crazy about it. And they thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And it's always been solid. But I think I, I sort of agree with what you're saying. You, you, know what, you know what bourbon that I think is very good and I really like it? But I fucking hate how much everyone talks about it. Oh boy, is Blanton's? Blanton's. Oh, yes. dude, yes, absolutely yeah. on the same page, three for three. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's become the the most overrated bourbon, like second to maybe Pappy Van Winkle. But that's only because people haven't had it. Like Pappy Van Winkle, people want because of the hype. Right. Um, Blanton's people think it's amazing because of the hype. Yeah, I just I. I mean, I just think there. I think there's better bourbons. I think it's very good. Like if someone poured it for me, and I was like, "Hey, would you like some blends?" Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, just uh, yeah, I just think it's overrated. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's not bad, but it's overrated for sure. Yeah. 
Um, interesting. Um, okay, so um, so how do we want to do this? We want to talk about since we're pairing the cigar with another spirit, and Dennis has already long finished it, and he's moved on to bigger mm -hmm. and better things already. Um, do we want to talk about the spirit and then kind of talk and then take some guesses on the cigar after we've done our second pairing with it? Sure. Okay. All right. So, um, okay. Well, okay. So, all right. So Dennis is, Dennis is leaning towards the, I don't want to mischaracterize your, your comments there, Dennis. You're, you're, you're saying, uh, Trips thinks it's a, it's a single, uh, more malt, single malt. And then you're, you're thinking it's more on the, the, the corn side. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning pretty heavily on the corn, uh, especially the the remnants in the glass, the the little bit in there. Just I'm, I'm getting something out of there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, after I tried my other pairing, I think you're onto something. I think I'm leaning more towards corn, but I'm still gonna go with single malt just so that uh, if Dennis is wrong, I'm right. I mean, <laughs> that, that being right. said, honest to God, man, you could tell me right now that this is just fermented piss water, and and it's fantastic. <laughs> and whatever it is, I love it. It's pronounced piss Vasser. Piss So I I was really excited to uh, I was really excited to grab this this particular this particular whiskey, and uh, and and pair it with uh, pair it with the cigar, simply because um, I I find it one it, it's one of the more approachable uh, uh, whiskeys here in Texas. You know uh, we talked it privately off the air when we were kind of setting up the show. You know. Uh, you know, you got to sample Balconies when you were down here, Trip, and I yep. think I think you've you've had it too, Dennis, right? Balconies. I've had a couple of expressions, yeah, yeah. Um, which is they're just, I mean, they're they do some incredibly unique stuff. I mean, clover honey and and uh, some you know other you know, excuse me, wildflower honey. My apologies, and some other turbinado sugar. I mean, I mean, making making whiskey more sweet by adding turbinado sugar to it. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, it's I mean, balconies is one of those unique things. But what I was what I was really excited about with this particular whiskey was just like and and reason why I chose the cigar, which we'll go into a little bit more later, was the was the the sweetness of this particular whiskey. Now, this is actually a um, a limited edition version of the original the original, if you can believe it or not, I know you guys got some really nice sweetness off this spirit. Uh, the original actually is much, much sweeter. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like drinking straight caramel. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Now, you mentioned the, the molasses flavor. I find that there's more molasses mm -hmm. to this. There's a little bit more of almost like that Anejo rum to it because it, it has yeah. that sweeter component. Um and uh, you know, uh, Dennis mentioned the heat behind it. Um, so this, this, what you're, what you're tasting is actually a hundred proof. That makes sense. Wonderful. Okay. So it's and it is a it's a single barrel expression. Oh. Uh, right. So the uh, do you want to go ahead and do the reveal? Let's do it. All right. So it is actually a limited release of eighteen thirty-five single barrel. Uh, wow. This is bottle number 211 of barrel number 3726. Um, 100 proof, single barrel. Uh, so interesting enough. So this is, uh, this is uh, North Texas Distillers. They do a lot of stuff. I'll list them off here in a second. Um, but uh, this is um, bottled and uh, bottled by 1835 Spirits here in Louisville, Texas, which is actually just up the road from me. Um, 
the neighboring town to now of uh, Flower Mound, which is now home to Ben Lee of Stogie Review. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and North Texas Distillers makes a lot of different brands, which I'll, like I said, I'll go into in a second. And then 1835 is uh, the their bourbon. Now it's dis- they actually it was distilled in Kentucky. Uh, made from uh, the, the the old Kentucky recipe, you know, the the uh, what a lot of people peer, uh, view as the pure version of bourbon, and then it was bottled here in uh, it was bottled here in Texas. So um, um, they used you know obviously charred oak. Uh, they describe it as a rich aroma, full bodied finish, bold reminiscent of the independence of Texas is known for. Come and take it, yeah, great tagline, um, but. Um, I this uh, this this also wanted to this sparked an interesting discussion that I wanted to have with you guys. So you know, when Texas started distilling or providing whiskeys, the, you know they couldn't just put out they just couldn't put out a whiskey right away. You know, obviously whiskey has to age. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, a lot of the distilleries here locally would um, go into business with uh, Kentucky distillers, and uh, their cigars were whisk- were either aging over there, or they were, or they were purchasing barrels from over there and different variations of it. So, uh, and I'm sure it was the same in, in y'all's neck of the woods. Absolutely. So, how do you feel about the overall practice of claiming an Oregon distillery, a New Jersey distillery, a New York distillery, a Texas distillery, but the whiskey is actually not from there, not made there, not 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 aged there? How do y'all how do y'all feel about that uh, that description? I'm not a fan of it. So locally, most of the places that did that or have done that or are doing that disclose it. Um, I can think of one particular uh, distillery called. Uh, I tried to get a bottle for this show, but didn't end up getting it. I ended up with something else um, called Big Bottom, and they started off saying we're we're buying mgp bourbon from indiana and bottling it ourselves and blending it um but we're not distilling any of it and then they started doing aging where they would buy raw or already aged bourbon from mgp and age it here and then they finally got to actually distilling their own um so on one hand it kind of I feel like it's kind of unavoidable, at least for a certain period of time, um, because obviously when you if you start a new distillery, you can't just come out with bourbon. You have to start a new distillery and then operate for three to five years before you can start bottling anything that you're making yourself. So I, I feel like for the most part, it's a good decision to start off doing that. But I think it's always a good thing to wean yourself off of that and you know, eventually transition to distilling your own. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're going to call yourself a distillery. Uh, right. I mean, there's, there are distilleries out there that say, you know, distilled, you know, so-and-so distillery bottled in so-and-so, you know, whatever the state is bottled in Oregon. And then they're actually just buying MGP and shipping it over here and bottling it. They're not doing anything else to it. Um, and that's pretty common, unfortunately. A lot of the stuff that that you see on the shelf that says that it's from your state is probably actually made in Indiana because MGP makes more whiskey than anybody else in the country. Um, but 
like I said, I, I feel like if you're upfront about it, there's no problem with it. And it's the only other alternative is making vodka for five years before right. you or hand sanitizer. Making... Yeah. Or hand sanitizer. What about you, Dennis? I, you know, I, I'd say I've been really fortunate. Uh, the local stuff by me, they, they're pretty true to, to what they put out. They, I haven't seen anybody blending um, or purchasing out of state and bringing it in and blending local um, or shipping it out for that matter, barreling it elsewhere, let's say. But I have, I have, I've noticed a trend now, distilleries that are doing whiskeys uh, really, they talk about their whiskey program. They say, Hey, we're, we're working on this. We're getting there. But in the meantime, to your point trip, right? They're doing vodkas, they're doing gin. Uh, Asbury Park Distilling Company is another great example of that where mm -hmm. they're now starting to put out their whiskey, but for a long time, they're really well known for their gin. I think at least locally within New Jersey. And it's a cool way to do it. It's nice to be able to see other expressions and maybe even partnerships with other distilleries that already have their whiskey ready to go. And in support of each other, maybe you showcase in your, in your room, in your, um, you know, small bar or whatever, whatever some of these have, which is very weird. The regulations in New Jersey are very strange, but um, showcasing other whiskeys or, or supporting other distilleries that way. I think it's pretty cool. Or doing hot sauce, which is a thing now, apparently. It's, Dude, I, yeah, everybody's in the hot sauce game these days. Yeah. I love me a good hot sauce, so. I I'm, mean, uh, as Dennis knows, I am a purveyor of hot sauces. I, I have north of 40 bottles in my fridge right now. Like, I, I'm a fiend for hot sauce. But people are going too far these days, man. It's uh, one of those things that we see, like, too. Like, I mean, like, I mean, well, I mean, they did that with, I mean, beer. I mean, we, you know, Dennis gave us that beer that was, you know, like roasted clamshells and, you know, yeah. lemongrass, you know, beer that actually paired really well with that cigar that day it was pretty fucking mm -hmm. incredible um but it was you know it's it's interesting that like you know like hot sauces is kind of getting into that too like everything has to get weird like you know you know whatever happened to just you know the good old jalapeno or the good old serrano or or something like that and just you know or cayenne and just making something you know but now they gotta they gotta throw mango in it and that became like mango became like the 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 thing and then now there's oh, yeah. like just every variation of fruit and dude yeah. i have a rule if i see mango on the ingredients of a hot sauce i will not buy it especially if it's like a if it's a ghost pepper mango thing maybe if it's a habanero pepper no way dude right? habanero mango is so overdone it's just like you gotta stop doing it or pineapple with with uh certain certain types of peppers i'll stay away I, I just think I think I think habanero has enough sweetness to the pepper if you actually yeah. if you actually use yeah, it correctly, absolutely. like habanero has enough inherent sweetness to it. Like the the thing that I, I don't like about hot sauce is just like the idea of just like trying to kill somebody. It, it like it's just when it's painful, it's like it's not good. Like yeah, like like hot sauce is is fantastic if it can if you know if it's, if it's made well and it, and it, it really can accentuate flavors and stuff like that. I think that's the whole point of having hot sauce on stuff. But like, um, I, it just drives me bonkers. Like the, one of my, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a wings chain down here. I don't know if it, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty, I think it's pretty much all over the country. Wingstop. I mean, you guys familiar? Yeah. yeah we have Wingstop. Okay. No, no I, wings. I love Wingstop. 
Um, so I used to love the Atomic, which was their like ultra hot one, right? Yeah. I, they changed the recipe at some point, like the mid aughts. Um, and it just became painful. And it's not like because I'm getting old. Like they like like the I, I found out like they legit changed the recipe on it. And they were just like, oh, we just want to hurt some people. Like it just it doesn't taste good. It just hurts. And it's just it's just stupid. That's what Ed Curry talks about all the time. He really uh, I, I give him credit for what he's done to the industry of peppers in general and hot sauces and chili head world. But um, he's very open about that. He says, yeah, man, I just want to fuck some people up and, and like really bring the pain to the table. He does it well. And I think he's probably at least in the U.S. He is the master of pain when it comes to peppers. He's he, earned that title. He is. But he also like he is. He loves a good hot sauce that tastes yeah. good. Like yeah. part of him loves inflicting pain on people, but he also loves just making amazing hot sauce. And he he makes some of the best hot sauce out there. Fucker butt. That's right. I, I still think that like some of the old standbys are some of the best tasting hot sauces. Like I love Valentino. I love Louisiana hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those are still those are. I mean, I still have bottles of that shit in my pantry. Do people uh, in Texas actually use Texas Pete? Is that like a thing? Uh, so uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a huge. To, I'd say Cholula is like the adopted hot sauce of the state. Oh, of Texas. I love Cholula. Um, the iconic wooden cap. Um, they have that shit that you can like in at Texas, the Texas Ranger Stadium. You could pump it like ketchup, Cholula. Yes, it's fucking great. Um, but the uh, no Texas Pete is is really big at Chick Fil A's down here in Texas. Uh, they that's their yeah, their hot. That's what that's, they have here. Okay, so they do the same thing. Okay, so it's I guess it's a national thing then. But yeah, that's what they have. That's the hot sauce that they have available in um, in Chick Fil A's. Um, I what I love to do with Chick Fil A is drizzle the texas peat and then drizzle honey on the chicken Ooh. and that and that's that's fucking good i could see that being real good i like their buffalo sauce a lot they're whatever whatever they call it zesty buffalo or tangy buffalo or something it's like buffalo with a little bit of ranch kind of creaminess mm-hmm. it's good i so okay so we we're talking about wings a second ago so i'm so i am a i am a hot wing guy but the hot wing ranch thing fucking pisses me off i'm a blue cheese guy i'm a blue cheese guy okay so i'm not okay good okay i've got someone else on my side on this i, I don't uh, sorry guys i'm a ranch guy you're rich well you'd fit in down here so you need to move to you and jessica need to move to texas because you'd fit in well here because <laughs> everybody they put ranch on everything oh she hates ranch with a passion like tom cruise and ranch that looks more like <laughs> the same it's the same evil so, so she, you're, what you're saying is, if Jessica could march Tom Cruise into Hidden Valley and just fucking assassinate him, that would I, just that would make her day. I think Tom Cruise make lives in Hidden Valley. That's where the, the oh, secret okay, is for him. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Convinced. <laughs> All right. So, alternate pairings here. So, Dennis, you said you you failed miserably on this. So, what you you finished up the cigar with uh with the spirit what's you said you really love the spirit but it did not go well with the cigar what'd you what'd you pick i'm a huge fan of this stuff and i i think that the it just it wasn't the right especially going from the from the bourbon i think it just wasn't the right thing uh but i did oh you can't see because of the damn but it's it's mezcal it's montalobos mezcal okay not, 
um, you know, nothing, nothing crazy in terms of mezcal world, but uh, a pretty solid spirit on its own for me. And, and I'm a big fan of it, but definitely not with this cigar. And I didn't talk about it much, but my pairing, uh, I feel like was a little too hot and not full bodied enough compared to yours. Uh, if I had switched the order, I think it would have worked better. Um, but yours was, your bourbon was full bodied enough that mine kind of pales in comparison, which seems crazy because it is Weller 107 and oh which is in my opinion, one of the finest bourbons out there. Um, Tough to find these days, but every once in a while I find a bottle of it. Um, for less than amazing. $400? For about 50 which is the, the going rate for them these days. Not in New yeah. Jersey. Well, that, that's the MSRP these days, I should say. Yeah, yeah the MSRP. Um, but, I mean, it, it kind of tastes flat in comparison to yours, surprisingly. Joe that's- D says 107 is his favorite. Th- this is... If I could only have one bourbon, it would be this one. I love this bourbon, but Bear nailed it with his with his pairing. I think the eighteen thirty five is just so rich. Like that's the thing. Yeah, like, and it, and it's got that sweetness that now that I'm like now that you've explained it, I I feel like maybe it's deceptively sweet where it doesn't taste as sweet as it actually is at least not on my palate because Weller usually tastes pretty sweet. Not, not uh, immensely sweet compared to some, but uh, it's on the sweet side, I would say. I think the antique 107 though, it, it kind of, it, it, it kind of, it kind of gives that really nice, it kind of coats the palate with that kind yeah. of, that kind of nice velvety richness, but it, it finishes it finishes with a lot more barrel, that woodiness. Yeah that oak agreed um and that that just kind of tastes flat compared to the sweetness of yours which i hadn't realized how sweet it was until i tasted it next to the 107 so um the um the thing that i was really i I really enjoyed about the my pairing was and i think it I, i think it fell flat as well um but i i i buy tequila by the case guys so i went with tequila uh casita uh pasion um reposado was my choice for my alternate pairing and uh you know you know definitely not as hot it's only 80 proof you know considering the uh the the 1835 but uh the 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 thing that i love about this particular whiskey is that it's it has this real nice brightness to it Mm -hmm. um they actually kind of balanced out the first pairing of the bourbon with the nuttiness and earthiness of the cigar and, uh, and kind of, and kind of brought it forward a little bit. Um, I think if I'd given you this tequila, if I could given you guys this tequila and the cigar, um, I think my, my reign of, even though I was the only pairing tonight, I think my reign of best pairing would have fallen flat. Cause I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's as good, but I, 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 I really enjoyed it. You know, we talked about tequila uh, when we were preparing for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a huge tequila fan, um, and I know you guys I, I know you guys like it as well. What which tequila do you guys gravitate towards? I mean, you guys are you guys hardcore? Do you go silver or do you reposado, anejo? Like, what's... I am very uh, I'm I'm a complete noob when it comes to tequila. I've had a couple tequilas that I was really impressed by, but 
not very many. Like I thought I hated tequila for like 15 years. And <laughs> then I'm trying to remember what it was that I tried. It was, I don't even know what it was. It was something that my old boss gave me that I, I tried at his house and like blew me away. And I was like, wow, tequila is actually really good. But I don't remember what it was. I, I love tequila. Um, Joe D, uh, um, well, let's not let's not glaze over the amazing compliment that he paid you, Trip. He said, Trip, you were the far be- by far the best pairing guy in the industry. Not even yeah, close, he says. I I read that and I was I almost interrupted you with excitement. Uh that <laughs> means a lot to me, Joe. Thank you. That's uh I'm gonna I'm gonna take that to my grave. That's that's a huge compliment. I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and pin I'm gonna pin that to the top of the chat, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and throw that up there. I mean, that's that's uh that's pin worthy. That's high praise, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's saying something, Joe. And considering you know you know Trip likes to you know put put his wine up there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found a wine that worked real well with most cigars at this point. John Carney's a big wine guy, and every time he comes to town, we drink wine and smoke cigars. And I I'm still I'm still you know getting there in terms of yeah. really like enjoying wine with cigars i'm i'm just not wine just tends to dry up my palate a little bit unless the cigar is just really rich um it it just it really just doesn't work for my palate very well um like it's not like i i I don't enjoy the cigar don't enjoy the wine i do and i enjoy the pairing it's just I, i i would prefer to pair it with with other things i i think that you know nick melillo um has been on record as saying that he feels that the best pairing with a cigar overall is coffee. And I, 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 we, we've long said that like coffee or anything that's like beer aged with coffee or coffee aged whiskey or anything like that is like a no brainer. It's easy. That's easy mode is pairing anything with coffee because coffee goes so well with cigars. It's unbelievable. You're bound to have a Bad good time regardless anymore. of what you drink when it comes to coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think, co- I, I mean, I smoke, I, I, coffee is, and cigars are just like the thing that I do most frequently because I just don't mm-hmm. drink as much as I think is, as the, between the three of us, I think I, I drink far less than, than y'all to not try to disparage anybody, but I think just like overall, I think that that's, I think that's, that's kind of my, my, I'm definitely, you know, while my pairings have, have gone over well in this, in this exercise that we've done over the years, I, I think that uh, I'm still, I'm still kind of the, uh, the lesser sophisticated of the three of us when it comes to spirits in general, but I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy this exercise. I just think it's a lot of fun. Um, well, not when it comes to tequila, you're definitely, yeah, I'm, you I'm, I guarantee you have a better palate than i do for tequila i don't get around tequila much. um it's actually banned from my father-in-law's house oh wow <laughs> no tequila that's interesting there's got to be a story there oh there is i haven't heard the whole story but i don't think i want to either <laughs> fair enough fair enough all right gentlemen uh, moment of truth do we want to talk about the cigar yes okay Trip, you know, Dennis is uh Dennis has said that he pretty much thought he had it within a couple of puffs. Do you want to take yeah. you want to take first guess? So you don't want to I will. Uh, so this to me, the construction said not Nicaraguan. The flavor was 
surprisingly Nicaraguan, but I'm not sure that it's Nicaraguan. So I think the guess that I've, I have landed on is, and maybe this is the Vitola that, that pointed me this way, but I think I'm guessing it is a Camacho Ecuador. Interesting. Okay. Man, this, this what? is, because really, you like, because you were leaning towards that, Hon- <laughs> you were leading towards that Honduran, right? Yeah, because I, I think the construction says to me Honduran. Some of the flavors say Honduran, but I, I do, I, I really feel like there's some Nicaraguan tobacco in there, even though I know the Camacho Ecuador does not have Nicaraguan tobacco. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what the, that's what like, I don't know. That's just my instinct is telling me that. What do you think, Dennis? I'm very curious to hear you nail it. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm nervous because there's a lot of pressure going on. Oh, here we are. Here we go. For the the, fainting, I, the <laughs> fainting it. He's fainting it. Um, so for me, honestly, a lot of the flavor that popped, it, it seems that for, for whatever reason, I, I get this pop that is very um, markedly Dominican for me. And I and I got this Dominican vibe, this this funk, but not the funk that normally we talk about. You know, we love that Anduyo funk, not that funk. It's, I mean, man, I, I I had to rack my brain on this a little bit, and I'm wondering, um, could this be a Cuevas cigar? I think that's a good guess too. I mean, I, I'm I'm leaning on Casa Cuevas. Well, we also have to consider the Batola too, right here. I mean, right, five by sixty. Yeah, that, that's one thing that's been throwing me. That I've been trying to rack my brain and figure oh, you out did say five who by has five by sixties, and I can't think of anybody. I can't think of any five by sixties right now. The only five by sixties that come to me off the top of my head are like I think Roma has a couple of five by sixties, but maybe those are like four and a half by sixty. Um, but I can't think of any. Interesting. Well, I think the. Um... I, I really think that uh, you guys had some interesting observations with this particular cigar. Um, so we, we commented on the nuttiness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you Which mentioned reminded the- me actually a lot of the uh, Nuevita Sabaro that Dennis chose a couple shows ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, I, I, when, when I remark about nuttiness, when someone says nuttiness to me, I always think of, um, well, more more peanut than almond, but still nuttiness, depending on the, the the variety and how it's blended. I always think of Cameroon tobacco. Um, Cameroon tobacco has a very peanut, a, a really nice peanut flavor to it. I, I find out, you know, more times than not, I think that like the Don Carlos that uh, that Fuente puts out um, has a really nice kind of like peanut flavor to it. That's really good. Not like not like peanut butter. It's not like that. We're yeah. not talking about that rich, but like it, just it reminds really... me specifically of peanut shells. Yes, yeah, the, the the dryness, the nuttiness there, you get that earthiness of it as well, and uh, so that's what I, you know, I, I, I kind of focus on that. I want to give credit to to something here um, with your observation of of the Camacho Ecuador um, trip. You you mentioned Ecuador, so the wrapper is actually Ecuadorian. So I, I, I suspected I, that. So, um, so you guys want me to go ahead and do the reveal here? Yeah. Unless, okay. unless you feel like giving some more hints. Okay. Well, uh, okay. So I did. So the wrapper is Ecuadorian. 
the 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 rapper is Ecuadorian, and I've and mentioned to focus on the Vitola, which apparently it hasn't really helped anybody. No, I was hey. dropping some hints about Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Cameroon. I don't know. I say reveal it. Yeah. I, I can't get any closer, I don't think. Okay. So um I, you know, I, I was really just battling between Vitolas on this when I when I sampled this bourbon, but I was like, man, this this cigar is gonna be absolutely perfect for it. And I was really excited about it. So I went and I decided Wait. to go. Go ahead. Is this the Don Lino Africa? No. Okay. But good guess. Very good guess. Uh, because the binder is Cameroon. No. Much like the Don Lino Africa. The new Don Lino oh. Africa, rather. Um, so the binder is Cameroon. The wrapper is Ecuadorian Habano. La Hero. And the filler is composed of some nice varieties from... Nicaragua, three fillers, Esteli, Condenga, and a Lajero leaf from Pueblo nu- Nuevo, Nuevo, excuse me, which is uh, right on the Honduran border. So it was interesting, mm-hmm. your Honduran observation. Um, so the cigar that you have smoked tonight, guys, is the Romacraft Aquitaine. Ah. Chromagnon Aquitaine, specifically the EMH 5x60. I'm really surprised. I'm First of all, I'm surprised at myself that I didn't nail that because I've smoked a lot of these. I am not used to them having the the sheen on the wrapper that this has. I feel like usually they kind of, because that one did go through my mind early on, but I've never seen one that was as shiny as this cigar. Yeah, I think that the the sheen is really really beautiful about this. I I really like the cigar. Coop Coop actually guessed it uh, before I did the reveal after all the, oh, yeah. all the after all the hints and everything. So, uh, bravo to him. Um, but yeah, no, I I thought when I when I when I took a sip of this this particular bourbon, I was like, I was like, yeah, this is good because I what I really wanted to do is I really thought the nuttiness of the Cameroon, um, the spice component that comes from that Habano Lajero wrapper. Uh, and then the Nicaraguan tobaccos would play really well with the richness of the, the bourbon. So that's kind of what I was going with. I, I think the pairing worked really, really well. I'm I'm very impressed with the pairing that you. I think you tonight. you definitely win it again on yeah. perfect pairing. Awesome. Well, guys, I'm glad you I'm glad you all enjoyed it. I'm excited to I'm excited for version 7.0 of the show when we get to, to try y'all's. Y'all's different uh, different selections, which I'll be uh, aging uh, when yeah, we when when they, meantime, re- when they when they end. Now you now you got Dennis's right trip. Yes, I did. Okay, I was really hoping that Dennis's was going to arrive today, and I was like, well, we'll have we'll have two pairings today, but um, you know, snow apocalypse or whatever had to happen, so we we will we will yeah. we will put these in reserve for uh, for version seven point over this. But I have an interesting idea for 7.0 along with the, the pairings that you guys have uh, that we could kind of uh, tie into events, which we'll discuss here later. Um, so the, uh, the next pairing that we're going to go with is a cigar that I gifted both y'all. 
and uh, along with a spirit that I both gifted you guys. Now, you guys are well aware of the spirit already, and you guys already know the cigar. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't blind or anything like that. But I, when I smoked, uh, when I first drank the cigar, like, uh, excuse me, when I first drank the spirit, which is uh, the next one is Grey Whale Gin, uh, made with uh, California botanicals. It's 100% Californian. Okay. Um, so the the uh, there's six botanicals that make up this gin, which uh, there is juniper, which is of course heavily used in gin. Limes, sea kelp, really? Yes. Okay, I like that. Mint. Yeah, definitely get mint off of the nose. Almonds. I'm gonna pour this now. And fir tree. Love a good fir. So the the juniper hails from Big Sur, California. The limes from good old Temecula. Temecula. Uh, the fir tree is from Sonoma. The mint is from Santa Cruz. The almonds come from Central Valley, and the sea kelp the sea kelp comes from uh, the Mendocino Coast specifically. Cool. I was gonna guess the ocean, but yeah, yeah, good call. Um, the Pacific <laughs> Ocean, to be exact, right? So that was that's our uh, that's our this is our oh. our spirit is the gray whale gin. So I gave you guys some of this. Now, trip you had some last night. Um, I did, um, but I want to hold off some thoughts on it. Uh, we'll light up the cigar here momentarily, but I wanted to take, we'll go ahead and dive into the next segment here, which of course is a couple, uh, is a very much a fan favorite here on Ellis Fumar takes, which is our one must go segment, which of course is always brought to you by United cigars featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed out Bay and Byron line smoke once a day, start living United. Now here's the, here's the, the gist of this gentleman we've we've you guys have participated in one of these before uh the last time you were on the show was the first one and um and oh, right my yeah my guests have participated in this so the idea is i give you guys three items and one must go now i thought long and hard about this and i thought we'd have a little bit of fun um we um with uh you know we talk about how the fact that we actually met at the trade show and one of the I guess we'll call it gaffes of trade show fame is everyone likes to take pictures of the shoes that they will be sporting mm-hmm. at the trade show and wearing, because let's face it, we're on our feet for, you know, four days straight, you know, 12 hours a day. And so it, you know, you know, footwear is important. Yes, of course. And, uh, and I know that, um, I know that you guys particularly, and these are, these are three very, you know, popular brands of shoes um and i actually own a pair of all three i think i think you guys may own at least two of the three but so this will be an interesting take so i chose three different types of shoes um and one has one has to go okay so so here are the three shoes types so we have we have chucks you know chuck taylor's the classic uh the classic old high top from converse thank you very much uh, PF Flyers left, uh, let Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez outrun the beast in the Sandlot fame, of course. So Chuck Taylor's, right? Uh, which have become kind of uh, very stylistic in 2021 up until this point, you know, um, all different colors of styles and colors and yeah, you name it. A lot of knockoffs too. 
the same with Vans. So Vans is the second one. There's a lot of Vans knockoffs. Uh, our good friend Erica Tormson of Cigar Dojo likes to rock a good van. Um, I think uh, I think Dennis uh, also does as well. I think Dennis was rocking some. You have Vans a good memory. The, Dennis was rocking some Vans at the chiropractor this morning of the picture that he took <laughs> um, um, before he hit the slopes and I guess wrecked his back again. So, <laughs> um, and then um, DC. So I thought about Airwalk, which is very much a '90s brand for all of us. They, they've really fallen out of favor. They've really fallen out. But DC, um, you know, is a is a a, a skater, uh, quote unquote, skater shoe of choice and everything. So um, I wanted to go with these three styles because I know I think I think you guys own at least two of the three. But I wanted to give you guys this choice: so Chuck's Vans and DCs. One must go. Dennis, you're up first. Oh boy! All right. So all 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 my buddies out there that know that I'm uh, I know, to I know one of them that is definitely not going for either of us, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't. I can't, man. You know, I I'll tell you this. I spend my summer times in the winter fine. I snowboard, but in my, in the summertime, I try to act like I can still hang and skate the way I used to years ago, which is not true because I'm. Some ways I've gotten better, but in most ways I'm just old. And it just doesn't work as well. But having rocked all three for a long time, I can tell you, man, I'm I have to get rid of the Chucks. That's just my really okay. Vans, Vans, I, I pretty much wear. I don't I I don't know. Maybe once a month, every two months, I get a new pair of Vans, something like that. I'm rotating through tons of tons of Vans. Um, DC shoes I've had for years, early early days skating, and and I remember DC shoes you could buy. At like TJ Maxx or Marshalls or whatever the local department store was for dirt cheap, and you know walk around like you were a cool skater, dude. Back back before I used to skate, um, the Chucks they were classics for me, but I just they fallen out of favor as I've gotten older. I need that support. I need that old man support. <laughs> but it is. I see so many people like doing CrossFit and working out with Chucks. Me too. It fucking just. Which I, I think it's crazy. It's yeah, it is crazy. I'm just I I don't get it. I I I I just yeah I just don't get it. So uh, quick correction. Um, so um, on the label of the cigars that I purchased, it has the Aquitaine EMH listed as a five by sixty. Matt Ty was quick to uh, correct that it is a fifty six. I was right. So I was right about one thing. All right. Okay. I, actually, I guess I said Ecuadorian for the rapper. I, I thought it was a little right small for the 60, but I was going off the label. So the label was incorrect. So I apologize, gentlemen. That is my, that is my fault. And to be fair, it, it does seem like some factories have slightly different calipers where someone will say that it's a 60 and another factory will say that it's a 60 and you put those cigars next to each other and they're not the same size well this is definitely on the retailer who who you know has a label that says five sure. by 60 so screwed that up so that's 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 and that's my fault but uh uh, uh thank you matt ty for fact checking me on that so I, I i i didn't think the 60 was right and i was looking at the cigar and i was like that it, it can't it's not a 60 are my so, hands small today yeah <laughs> every day uh okay so yeah, the, the 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 working out in chucks just blows my mind. I'm like, I'm just waiting for someone to fucking blow out an ankle every time I see yeah. it. 
And like, there's a friend of mine from high school. She's, she's really gotten into like her health and wellness over the years and stuff. And um, like props to her, she's, she battled addiction for a number of years. And so she's kind of rededicated her life to health and fitness. And so she posts a lot about, you know, her, her workouts and she's always doing like CrossFit and weightlifting and she's a boss, like totally, totally really cool and stuff, but she works out in chucks and I'm just like worried, like, especially she's doing like fucking power squats. Yeah. And I'm just like worried. I'm like, oh, God, sweetheart, you're just going to blow out an ankle. Like, I just know, like, I just know it's going to happen. Like, I mean, we're going to see a video on Instagram one day and like your ankle's going to be pointing like this way. And the, like the rest of you is going to be over here, <laughs> you know, with your, with your chucks on. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Um, so, yeah. So, so, but you, I mean, do you still own chucks, Dennis? Yeah. Okay. Like how many pair? Just curious. Uh, at least four. At least. And not like, not the originals from high school that I had, but still probably four, but I just don't wear them anymore. Cause now I'm all about the, I'm a, I'm a Vans house now. That's what I'm sticking to. We're a Vans household. I, um, my favorite pair of Chucks is still the, like the classic all white. I still love those shoes. I still love the, the all white Chucks. I wanted like that, to get a pair of Chuck twos when they came out, but I never did. Like after they got bought by Nike and they, they integrated some Nike technology in there, but I never tried them. All right, Dennis, uh, not Dennis, excuse me. So, so trip you're up Chuck's DC or vans. One's got to go. What are we doing? So Chuck's, I, I remember as a kid, I had a pair of Chuck's and maybe it was only one day, but it stuck in my mind that some kid made fun of me for not having like nice shoes, uh, you know, nice sneakers at the time. Uh, and that always stuck with me. So I've never bought another pair of Chucks. Um, vans, I've had tons of vans over the years. Um, but as Dennis said, I'm an old man now. I can't, I can't go around without some, some uh, arch support. Vans, so Ultra Kush all the way man or comfy kush if you want that like croc feel without wearing crocs i mean i i haven't tried vans in a while it was before <laughs> that technology when i switched over to nike and i have been a nike guy ever since i have i probably have eight or ten pairs of air force ones with another pair on the way actually um my first uh my first custom made pair which i'm really excited Ooh, about. Very nice. um i did actually i had a custom made pair of actually no i still have a custom made pair of vans of, of oh. vans old schools camo uh, i have some coming in the mail actually <laughs> my, mine are uh oh, camo uh what is it called canvas they're awesome okay. um but dc's because dc is almost entirely inspired by that air force one like chunky 80s basketball shoe style i i gotta toss chucks man chucks too okay interesting because d dc i would still wear right I'd, I'd still wear dc right now um and like i said i still have a pair of vans i forgot about those i think you spelled rob Deerdick wrong <laughs> <laughs> i uh so i i still wear dc's like like on, on almost on the regular um you know i don't wear them to like trade shows and stuff because you know i wear some you know some nicer shoes um you know just yeah for the sake of uh, a little you know just looking a little nicer dressing it up a little bit but i still wear dcs on the regular almost daily 
um i i love them i think they're fantastic i used to you know uh when i would skate you know you know in high school and stuff like that i would just like dcs have always kind of been my brands i never i never was an airwalk guy um and i i own i own a pair of vans um but vans always seemed to me like the 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 at the time you know growing up in the 90s was like the the bastard child of airwalk you know Mm -hmm. and and i didn't i wasn't an airwalk guy and so like i i just hated airwalk and to me it always seemed like dc was like the uh um dc was like the um i i I don't know it was like the cooler version of the two i suppose and so like i went i went i went the dc route when i was when i was in high school and uh and then i started wearing them more i actually started wearing them more in college because i always had like because i when you know we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of money when i was growing up and so like i always had the same pair of shoes for the entire school year yeah. And when I got to high school, actually, I, I actually bought my mom. My mom let me actually buy my own shoes and I would save up. And my pair of shoes for the year was always a pair of Jordans. Those were mine. So yeah. I, I would always I would always rock a pair of Jordans for an entire year. And then I would buy another pair of Jordans and stuff. So uh, those were the uh, those were the. Uh, the uh, the shoe of choice for me personally but um but i've always had dcs never really i own a pair of vans but i've never actually really liked a pair of vans like to be honest but they're incredibly popular now which is it's 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 insane to me because like growing up in the 90s like vans again was like the bastard child of yeah. of airwalk airwalk was like and, and now airwalk is like yeah who the fuck knows what airwalk is anymore? no there there's some shoe store that owns airwalk now they bought them when like they went bankrupt in the early 2000s probably zooming no i think it's payless is that the one? Oh my gosh payless payless owns airwalk yeah. oh my gosh the mighty have fallen unbelievable unbelievable insane um <laughs> the um but <sighs> there's just still something very classic about chucks that i just really like there really is and it, my problem with Chucks has always been that my pants always drag, <laughs> and so and I've and I've just I've always had a more a more baggy pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just never worn the appropriate length of pants. It's just never been comfortable for me. I'm right there with you. So therefore, the Chucks are always like dragging and stuff like that. That being said, I think that um, I just kind of like based on like I think I'm gonna eventually come around on this, and this my choice would change. But right now, on February twenty first, two thousand twenty one, um, I think that um, I think that Vans have to go for me, which is a really controversial choice. But I there there's there's kind of that's kind of me. Like DC is my DC is my shit though. Like that's my jam. So um, the uh, um, I know that Ed Ryan's Ed Ryan was talking about uh, you know like you know different shoes at the trade show he was like expecting like us to like pick like echo or cole Haan or sketchers he threw sketchers and sketches is like you want to talk about would easily go yeah sketches is like you want to talk about like that is the new hip old man shoe i to me they were always like the least cool shoes you could have were sketchers my dad owns a pair of sketchers my dad's in his 80s so (laughs) (laughs) They're so comfortable, son. Okay, fantastic, Dad. Good for you. 
glad you have glad you have the support so <laughs> unbelievable um so yeah that was uh that was our one must go segment and as always it's brought to you by united cigars uh smoke once today start living united they as always they are the uh they are the uh, purveyor and um Distributor of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atta Bay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united. That was our one must go. So guys, appreciate you uh, chiming in with that. So so Chuck's got to go for the two of you. Van's got to go for me. It was a controversial choice, but uh, but I had to make it. Um, so this leads us into our next segment, um, which is, has been a real big, uh, really, really, really awesome, popular segment here on my show. It started on my birthday. Uh, back in October, had uh, had William Cooper on, uh, Miguel Shadell and John Carney on my birthday episode, and uh, I launched this idea. So, uh, for those not familiar with the the show who might be tuning in for the first time, so what I do is I've 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 asked since in the week since, I've asked my guests or guest or guests to to select a, a nonprofit or charity of their choosing that we would feature and uh, try to raise money for, you know, and that's um, it, it's been, it's been an incredible, incredible movement. We've raised a lot of good money for some amazing causes. And uh, as always at the end of the night, I will actually be donating in the honor of my guests tonight. So this will be exciting. Um, this is the the third time that this charity has been chosen a very, very popular choice given our, given our industry. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, uh, Trip, I'll, I'll let you take it away. So, what what did you all choose, and and why? Uh, we chose Cigars for Warriors. We've known the people people at the top of Cigars for Warriors for years since way before that. I've been sending them cigars. Um, yeah. For people who don't know, which I would assume there's nobody watching who doesn't know, but just in case or listening, for that matter. Uh, Cigars for Warriors focuses on sending cigars to troops who are deployed overseas. Um, wherever they may be, they can put in for uh, a, a box from Cigars for Warriors. They'll send them a box of cigars, um, you know, ranging from uh, just whatever people send in. They used to get a lot of donations from manufacturers, but the FDA uh, ruling changed that. So manufacturers can no longer donate directly. Um, right. So I've, I've said this for, I would say, 15 years. I've told people, if you have like that pile of cigars in the bottom of your humidor that you're never going to smoke, that are stuff you don't, just don't like, weird stuff that you don't want to smoke for whatever reason, the stuff that's never going to get smoked, put it in a box, send it to Cigars for Warriors. They will find a happy home. And somebody who's deployed overseas uh, who will enjoy those cigars and some of their downtime with the uh the other troops they're deployed with and i've we've heard from a lot of people who were deployed and got a box and it means a lot to them that little piece of home that little you know getting to enjoy a cigar no matter what it is means a lot to them so if you can donate money donate cigars uh dennis anything you want to say about it i for me personally um Having having met uh, a lot of the people representing Cigars for Warriors, having a chance to chat and like actually, you see the impact. The impact of hearing stories about people how it changed effectively it changed their life. Having a chance to 
to get cigars and having that love and support from, from everybody back home. It's awesome. And that speaks to what we mentioned in the beginning of the show about this great equalizer of cigars where it's one big family and everyone's super supportive of each other, regardless of like whatever fence you want to sit on or under or behind or whatever it is, man. At the end of the day, we all have this passion and drive and love for this thing. Um, and it, it's, it's a great thing for me. Well said. You know, this, this organization means a lot to me personally. Um, as you guys know, when we were talking about, when we were reminiscing about the, uh, the uh, Christmas vacation uh, viewing party, you know, the, par- the, the charity of my choice and that, that we all ended up donating towards raised a lot of money for Canines for Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a foundation that I'm, 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 a, I'm a huge supporter of. Um, I love dogs um, and uh, they're, they're a big part of my life. And then but uh, but uh, the idea and support of anything uh, veteran oriented uh, is is huge in my book because um, my father served in the United States Army and uh, my my brother-in-law is active duty United States Air Force. My other brother-in-law is retired United States Air Force. My father-in-law is United States Army intelligence retired. My mother-in-law uh, my both my mother's-in-law. Um, I have a stepmother-in-law and a mother-in-law. They're both retired from the United States Army. Uh, my mother uh, w- um, was married to my father while he was on active duty. Um, so when they always say, you know, you're, you know, when you when your spouse serves, you also serve as well. Um, so the um, I've I've been very very adamant and passionate about the subject of veterans affairs for a long time. I think uh, I think the way that we treat veterans in this company, excuse me, in this country rather um is deplorable in a lot of ways um you know a lot of people talk the talk and they talk about you know they give all this praise to their veterans they thank a veteran they do this and that Uh, but the way that our country overall not the individuals in it okay the people that have praise for veterans and do things for veterans is great um the way this country treats our veterans and the men and women of our armed forces is absolutely deplorable if you just need any kind of idea of that you just need to go into your local va and just see what a fucking travesty it is and the health care that our veterans receive is just absolutely terrible and i really love the work that storm does storm and his and his associates at cigars for warriors do because i i, I think you know i i might be very idealistic about this but the way that I see it is that by donating cigars to active duty men and women um, overseas is, 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 a, is a very, very small gesture of letting them know that there's someone over here that cares. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. It's, it's about showing them that, we, that we're thinking about them. And I feel like to somebody who's been deployed in iraq or afghanistan or wherever it is for years months however long they've been there that just knowing that somebody at home is thinking about them means a lot it, it really does and, and i and i kind of go so far as to say is like if, if if we can if if cigars for warriors because there's a really i, I i've shared this as a statistic the scary statistic a number of times on the show and it's just it's disgusting. It's a disgusting statistic that needs to end. It needs to stop. It needs to be eradicated 
22 is the number. 22 veterans, gentlemen, today. 22 veterans today took their lives, took their own life. 22 veterans a day commit suicide because of the horrors and the atrocities that they experience by defending our country. And that, and it's it's not just the duty that they perform that that causes them. The, it's the fact that the support that they receive when they come home is so inadequate. Yeah. And if cigars for warriors can change that number by a small amount, by letting them know that we care, by letting them know that there's someone here that appreciates that there's someone here there who cares, it is it is by far for me personally is by far one of the greatest gifts that I can pass on. So it is, it, it's an incredible thing that we can do and it's an incredible organization. And there's, 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 there's throngs of like canines for warriors is another one. There's throngs of great organizations for veterans. So I, I really implore you guys to like, if cigars for warriors is something that you've donated to in the past, and you guys want to explore different ones. That's fine. But tonight we're focusing on cigars for warriors and the amazing work that they do. And so if, if you're in, uh, if you're in Dennis's neck of the woods, uh, there's a couple of donation centers, uh, cigars, uh, cigars, cigars, freehold, New Jersey is a collection site. Um, there's also, there's also, um, there's also a couple of others, um, in there's a couple here in Texas, Jay Davis, um, who's a big fan of our show. Uh, blue smoke is a collection site here in Texas. three uh, R cigars in Duncanville, Texas, uh, Glenville, uh, New York, aficionado cigar and pipe shop, just to name a few, but you can list, you can go onto scars for warriors and look at donation centers all over the country, but there are places, um, all over Berkeley humidor, you know, uh, which was, which is a pretty big uh, place for uh, protocol cigars, our good friends, Juan and mm -hmm. Kevin, um, kind of like a little home shop for them. Uh, they're also uh, a collection site as well. Um, I, I thought I had one there, but it's actually Oregon, Illinois, which is one of the one of the one of those collection <laughs> sites. So I'm looking for an Oregon site. Do you know any donation centers in I your home state? I don't know if we actually have any, which is unfortunate. Bullet Branch uh, LLC in Jackson, New Jersey, is another one. Buffalo Cigars in Amherst, New York. Um, Brown and Sons Premium Cigars in Olympia, Washington, at least mm. somewhere in the neck of the woods of, yep. uh, of trip. Um, the, oh, Ed Ryan says Cascade Cigar. I thought they might, but I didn't want to okay. call it out specifically. I know they have that little basket, but I wasn't certain that it was Cigars for Warriors. Yeah, all over this country, guys. Cigarsforwarriors.org. Cigarsforwarriors.org. Hashtag donation dash centers. Uh, but you can also donate. I put the donate link in the chat, guys. It really, we would really appreciate it. if you guys feel moved, feel compelled. Please consider donating. Um, the uh, Cigars International sites: um, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania; Fort Worth, Texas; Hamburg, Pennsylvania; um, uh, Cigars, etc., in Wichita, Kansas, um, is also one as well. The uh, a lot of places in Pennsylvania and Virginia. Uh, Cigar Jones in Matt Ty's neck of the woods, uh, Wayzata, Minnesota. Um, also, uh, another another Cigar Emporium in uh, Lindhurst, New Jersey. Just calling out these as I see them. 
Um, I'm still looking for an Oregon one here. I'm trying to. So uh, Cascade Cigar, Cigar Cas- Cave, and Cigar Chapel are okay. ones that uh, Ed Ryan called out in the chat. Beautiful, beautiful. Ed, thank you so much for the input here. Really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. Um, really, really great. Really great. There's a, this list goes on and on. I mean, there's a long list. I was, I was really, really kind of moved by how many people are on this list and people that I know, which is really yeah. great. Um, um, Embargo Cigar Lounge in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm actually familiar with that. Uh, Elite Cigar Cafe here in Addison, Texas. Um, El Dorado Fine Cigars in McKinney, Texas. Fort Collins, Colorado. Edwards Pipe and Cigar Shop. Uh, East End Cigar Company in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, Doc James Cigar Lounge in Merrimack, uh, um, New York. No, that's not right. I'm mispronouncing that. The uh, New York place. Merrimack? Oh, Mamaronek. Mamaronek. Mamaronek, yeah. Mamaronek, yeah. to say. It's so hard. I screw it up all the time. Uh, good Karma Cigar here in Fort Worth and Amarillo, Texas. Um, just going to name a couple more here. If you're in... Uh, if you're in the dojo neck of the woods, uh, flavor of Havana, Aurora, Colorado, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Federal Cigar, Dover, New Hampshire, Federal Cigar. A lot of lot of great donation sites, guys. A lot of donation sites, all over. Just check it out: cigarsforwarriors.org/slash/donations-centers. Check out those. Consider donating. We really appreciate it. Um, Havana House, Tony Bellotto's place, Niles, Ohio. Absolutely. All of all of Tony's uh, shops, Youngstown, Ohio, also uh, a collection site too. Um, in Joe D's neck of the woods, uh, in uh, Rhode Island, uh, at Warwick, Rhode Island, Havana Cigar Club, in Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, so. Guys, really great proprietors, really great places. Consider donating some cigars. Great. Trip has a great point. You got some cigars at the bottom of your humidor that you have no intention of smoking or don't see yourself smoking. Guys, a little bit goes a long way, whether it's monetary or whether it's just a few cigars in some of these donation buckets at these shops. Um, It does an incredible amount for these men and women who are defending our country day in and day out and it just it, it goes a long way so really appreciate you guys bringing this to our attention um like i said they've been chosen a couple of times already on this segment i love it um it speaks very personally to me i'm a big advocate for veterans uh all over this country in any port possible way it's it's it just means a lot to me so uh thank you everybody uh gentlemen thank you for uh, for choosing them i really appreciate it yeah absolutely they're it's, it's a, a pleasure to, to, to support any way we can, man. All right. So uh, going into our, our next segment here, we, uh, we're doing another pairing um, because, uh, um, you know, this, you know, the North Pole decided to relocate to the entire United States as we were t- lamenting at the very top of our show. So we, um, I, I sent in my, uh, with my package, I sent some other additional cigars and another spirit to try along with the 1835 bourbon that we've already drank and smoked with the Aquitaine EMH as well. So I got, I, I gifted you guys a, uh, a selection from a Pichardo cigars, Ace Prime, you know, uh, Luciano mm-hmm. Mayrellis. Uh, and uh, it's the Classico 
which is a Sumatran wrap cigar um, made at the Pichardo, uh, Tabacalera Pichardo factory in Nicaragua. And the gray whale gin that we talked about a moment ago, juniper from Big Sur, limes from Temecula, fir tree from Sonoma, sea kelp from the Mendocino coast, mint from Santa Cruz, and almonds from Central Valley. So gentlemen, we've uh, been smoking a little bit on it. We've been drinking a little bit. So um, I want to get your thoughts. Because I said earlier in the show, I said when I had this gin for the first time, it, I, this cigar was something that I just, I, I pelled out. I was like, this is, this is the, this is the exact cigar that I want with this gin. I feel it pairs wonderfully. I'm anxious to get your thoughts. I, I agree. Um, I keep feeling like I don't taste any almond in the gin, but I get almond from the cigar. And I can't tell whether that I'm getting the almond because of the gin. Because sometimes I've noticed that happening with pairings where a flavor that's very, very faint will bring out that same flavor in a cigar. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy with this gin. This is just a delicious gin. I love the, that lime note brings like this brightness to it um, that I really like. Dennis, your thoughts? I'm interested. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm deeply, I'm deeply lost in, in this glass of gin now thinking about it. And I hate to say it because maybe it's my mind telling me it's, it's playing tricks on me, right? You mentioned the sea kelp, the, 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 the brightness and the saltiness in my mind. I, I, that's what I get out of this gin. I think it's really clean, but it's really clean with a really great saltiness backbone to it. And maybe it's not really there. And maybe it's just my mind making it up, but Dude, the cigar, man, to Tripp's point, I think immediately marzipan. Okay, and so I'm not crazy. No, no, definitely not. I mean, you're crazy, but not for that reason. Um, marzipan and then this gin is, is so wonderfully bright and not heavy at all. I love a heavy gin, and I think there's a place for that, but I, I, I kind of appreciate the, the lightness that it carries with it. Yeah, man, it's, it's fantastic gin. Dare I say another fantastic pairing from from Bear? I, this could be a new thing for you now. Regular pairing of the week, just to like a release on on the uh, you know just quick post. <laughs> so, Dennis, as we've talked about before, gin is kind of notoriously hard to pair with cigars. There's just not there's there's barely any overlap typically. But I feel like the reason that this gin works is it has that brightness from those limes. And it's also got the, uh, I don't know, may, maybe the sweetness comes from the limes. It's got like this distinct sweet characteristic to it that I don't usually taste in gin. Usually gin tastes either not sweet at all, like a dry gin, yeah. or it tastes like kind of candy, sugary sweet. And this is in the middle where it's got this like bright sweetness to it uh, with that like fruity, fruity note of the limes that I'm finding makes it pair really well with the cigar. I can tell you it's making my sunburn hurt less. <laughs> Effective. So the the um, the thing that I really liked about this particular pairing um, was that the um, was I really just I really dig the I really dig the Sumatra um, 
the Sumatra wrapper on this particular cigar. I think that um, it really has, I, I really think this blend, even with the spiciness of some of the Nicaraguan tobacco, um, I think it really actually um, lends well to um, kind of like that brightness that we were mm-hmm. talking about from the gin. And I think it really just, I, I think it just really, it really, again, it just kind of screamed to me when I, when I, when I had the opportunity to taste this gin for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, the Pichardo Classico would be just a great selection for this. And, and it actually, I actually ended up being right about it in, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I think so too. And uh, the, the, the thing that I, I, I think is interesting about um, this, the, the Pichardo Classico blend is the, the, you know, it's, you know, it's Ecuadorian Sumatra to be very specific, by the way, it's not actually from, it's not actually from Indonesia. Um, but the binder is Nicaraguan Tabano. And then the fillers are, is, is all Nicaraguan too. You've got Jalapa, Condenga and Omantepe. Really? Now, yeah. So Omantepe, you know, like everyone raves about how Esteli has this kind of this, this natural, like spiciness to it. Yep. It has like this really aggressive forefront. You can always taste Esteli to, tobacco, or at least I can. Uh, it's just very prominent in a blend. When it's very prominent yep. in a blend, it's just really easy to pick up on. Um, Jalapa has that, also has that, that nature as well. Jalapa has this really nice sweetness to it. Um, I, f- I find Jalapa is on the sweeter side. Esteli is on the spicy side, and Condega is kind of in the middle. Yeah, Condega has this earthiness about it. Yeah, and it has like this 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 minerality to it that kind of really. Condega is really great. I really like when Condega is really used well and used. I, I I'm going to be very arrogant here and, and used appropriately because the minerality of Condega really balances out a blend. Because you know when you mm-hmm. when you say minerality, it it kind of really it really you know it really it has a negative connotation to it right when you talk about minerality in a cigar you know that's and this is something that i talked about when i was doing my top 10 show because the uh the la barba crew mexi soul that tony blotto my number one cigar of the year from 2020 has this this minerality to it that really is really balances out the blend uh in a phenomenal way in my opinion um and i think that this cigar also does it too which is really really interesting um so condenga really has that that component to it but ometepe is a really really aggressive region yeah i mean that volcanic soil really bring i mean really produces a really and this is going to sound negative but it's really not meant to it has this really egregious flavor component to it and if it's not balanced well you can just like get overpowered by it like do you guys remember the do you guys remember the punch uppercut yeah. It was like it was like Omen Tepe was like ran ran through that cigar and it just I mean it tasted like it, right? Nothing wrong. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like a dog rocket or anything like that. It's not terrible, but I mean you could tell like it was just Omen Tepe cigar. The uh what was the other one that Punch did uh, a couple years ago? Um couple of years. The Diablo? Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the AJ made one that was like super broad leafy with yeah. some Omatepe in there, I believe. Yeah, it just yeah, it kind of just sets your senses on fire a little bit. In a in a good way, right? It just but it was yeah. just it, it you could just that Omatepe really, really took over that blend. I I find Omatepe, which I get 
maybe a hint of in this, but it reminds me a little bit of like chlorinated water. Like when you get pool water in your mouth and you have that like chlorine taste, or when you walk into a, an indoor pool and you smell that chlorine, that's yeah. what Ometepe has always reminded me of for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's an interesting observation. I don't think I've, I don't think I've gotten that out of it. It just, to me, it just, again, if it's not tamed or not balanced, well, Omentepe just seems to overwhelm the, 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 the blend more times than not, like even more so than like Esteli. Mm -hmm. Like I know, um, you know, I know Coop is not a big Brazilian Matafina fan. Cause he says Matafina really, really drowns out a rest of a blender can be really egregious in that way. Um, but I think that the uh, um, Omentepe just has that that unfortunately that negative connotation. Yeah. With, with I, and so for me, the way that I like got to that conclusion was smoking just pure Omentepe one time in Nicaragua. Oh uh, shit! That's how I realized, like, okay, so this is that flavor that I taste. It's sticky. Um, it's it's almost like a soap kind of stickiness. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a soapy kind of flavor. Uh, but like Bear said, it can easily take over a blend. But it can also be balanced out really well and be a really good accent note. It's one of those flavors that too much is too much. Like truffle. Too much is overpowering, but just the right amount, and it tastes fantastic. So it's funny that you say truffle. So speaking of truffle, um, so my first cigar in 10 days was this morning. Oh, wow. Uh, which was the, the Davidoff Anniversario. Mm. And, and Davidoff has that, that, especially particularly in the white label, oh. has that, that kind of that mushroomy, yeah. like truffle mustiness about a lot of its cigars. And, I've, and there was just something really beautiful about that anniversary this morning. It might be because it was my first cigar in a long time. But I really like that. I'm a Grand Cru guy when it comes to the white label stuff. Like the Grand Cru is definitely my jam. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Anniversario this morning was just absolutely fucking stellar. Um, um, but the, you know, we're, we're talking about the Pichardo Classico. I, and I'm a big fan of his cigars. I'm, was a, I'm a huge fan of the MXS uh, Dominique Wilkins. I don't know if you guys have had that. Um think i've had i've had one of the mxs but i can't remember which okay one. that it's needs like to change because I, I yeah i need to get some of those out to you guys i love the dominic wilkins cigar it's fucking fantastic the tiago splitter which was the other one that I they think released, that was the one i had i think see, i had the tiago one. that was the one that i was just really musty and it had that really truffly taste to it um i mean just really dominated the the profile for me Again, this isn't a knock. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bashing the cigar at all. But if you don't like that flavor palette profile, you would not like the Tiago Splitter, like at all. Like mm -hmm. it would be. It would be the worst thing in the world for you. Like if you did not like. If you don't like that, it, it would be. It would be. It would be awful. The MXS Dominique Wilkins is 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 by far one of my one of my favorite cigars. It's actually my favorite cigar that that Luciano does. Um, but I really, I've really come to really enjoy this Pichardo Classico. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. I, I, what I really have, uh, I was, I was actually in this interesting discussion. I'm going to digress for a second. Um, 
and I'm going to bring another brand into the mix here. We were talking about Davidoff, which their quality control is is kind of renowned, right? Oh yeah. Um, I was in this Perdomo cigars fan group where this guy was smoking this Perdomo 20th anniversary, and it it was canoeing on him or something, and he was just. I mean, he was just bitching about like, he's like, where's the quality, blah, 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 blah. Like he was just really, really upset about it. And I was like, I, I was really taken aback by that because I've always said that Perdomo cigars is one of those like handful, like seriously handful of cigars companies that produces some of the most, I mean, you say what you want about the profile. I think that that's subjective, but technically I think Perdomo puts out some of the most outstanding technically performing cigars mm-hmm. um, that I've ever smoked. And I've smoked, I think at this, I think I said dozens, but it's at this point, I think it's probably hundreds of Perdomo cigars over the years that I've smoked. And I don't think, I can't, I can't, I can honestly say, I cannot remember this, like with Davidoff, I cannot remember having a poor performing cigar from those two companies, like ever. I don't know what, if y'all's experience has been different, but I was, I was shocked by it. I w- first of all, I was really, I was really taken aback that he went into a fan group and decided to post and question yeah. the quality control of Nick Perdomo, which I like, if that guy's not banned by tomorrow, I'd be shocked. But like, <laughs> cause I know, I know the pride that Nick takes in his, in his, in his production. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that well, everyone takes pride in their production. That's, that's not it. But Nick, Nick, especially I feel like is yeah very, very possessive about it. And he's in, and, and rightfully so like I, and I think he backs it up. And I've always said that about his stuff. I think it's I, I, like, say what you will about the flavor of the cigar. You can, you know, that's, I think that's subjective, but I think technically speaking, I think it, this Pachardo Classico, I've smoked so many of them um, in the last year. Um, and it, it's the same thing for me. Like, I think that this cigar performs incredibly well. How are you, how are you guys enjoying it? Like, like technically speaking. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the burn is perfect. The draw is perfect. Uh, technically speaking, like it's spot on. So you guys think the pairings, well, how do you feel about the cigar specifically? I get a lot of that minerality you're talking about. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how to express my thoughts. Um, I get a lot of the minerality you're talking about. I get just a kind of a hint of like more dark earth, kind of like, you know, the dark wet soil kind of earth uh, with a nice spice and just a hint of sweetness. Um, The minerality is kind of the story here. So I feel like if you hate minerality, which I, I feel like I usually do, but I'm really enjoying this. The minerality is just balanced so well with that sweetness and the spice. Yeah, man. I, for me, going back to the cigar now, I, I actually had to let it sit for a little bit. I'm trying to pace myself. Uh, going back to the cigar, the one thing that really pops for me, there's a brightness that I get out of it, but it's a brightness that very clearly now I'm thinking about it reminds me of um, enoki mushrooms. I don't know if you guys have, have had enoki mushrooms. They're kind of uh, very slender, almost like a spaghetti. They look like kind of spaghetti, but they have this really distinct brightness. It's not like a an earthy mushroom as much as it is 
to your point, Trip, it, it, it's almost that minerality, that same sort of minerality where you can't have, okay. uh, you really need to balance it out. You can't have too much of it. Otherwise it just overtakes everything. And uh, actually, man, I, the gin, I think is really working fantastic with this as well. It just brings out all those great flavors. Yeah, I, I think so too. I was yeah, really. I, I feel like the gin almost makes the cigar pop a little bit more. It does. It's the brightness, right? Yeah. Right. That's what I was. That's what I really like. What I just gravitated toward the cigar when I had this gin. I was like, because I, I think that the Classico is so. I think it's so nuanced because of the because of the minerality of the Ometepe, because of the the earthiness of the Condega, the the Sumatran again Ecuadorian. Excuse me, the Ecuadorian Sumatran. Um which is Sumatran is one of those leaves. It's really interesting to me that, um, you know, I, I was talking to, I was actually, you know, not to name drop here, but I was, I was actually having a text conversation with Pete Johnson this week and we were talking about his use of Sumatran. And I, I really, I really enjoy that because you know, everyone knows Pete is the broadleaf guy, right? Oh, yeah. Him and him and Nick Melillo are like the broadleaf Kings, right? Or, or what's, what's Nick's Nick, Nick's nickname is the chief of broadleaf, right? Um, but you know, everyone raves about Pete Johnson's use of broadleaf and how well he does with it. And I'm, I'm not disputing that. I think what Pete does with Sumatran, um, trumps what he does with broadleaf any day of the week. And again, I'm, that's, that's not a knock, uh, to, to, to Pete at all, what he does with broadleaf in, in the slightest, I think. I just, I really enjoy what he does with Sumatra. And I think he really understands that tobacco and I'm digging myself in a hole. Like, like he doesn't understand what Broadleaf does, but I'm just saying like, I, I'm, I thoroughly enjoy the way that he uses Sumatra. And I think he understands it. I think he really, he really gets the most out of, of that tobacco when he blends with it. So he was the, he was the first person that ever said to me that, he thinks of Sumatra more as spicy. I had never thought of it really as spicy. And I've heard him call it spicy a couple times. And that to me was like, I guess it is spicy, but it's the way that he blends with it differently than other people do, I guess. Um, but I, I agree. I, I think his Sumatra cigars are fantastic. Well, I think spicy is relative, right? Like, cause like when you, like we were talking about hot sauce a minute ago, right? Like, you know, there's, there's ghost pepper spicy and then there's like, there's jalapeno spicy, there's black pepper spicy. Right. And they're like, they're all different yeah. levels of spiciness. And so like, when you talk about, that's like one of the most overly used terms in, in, in cigar reviews is like, oh, this has a nice spice to it. Like, well, what kind of, yeah. I mean, there's, there's baking spice, there's yeah. nutmeg and cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon has a bite to it. Yeah, it has some nice sweet undertones that make it delightful with when you pair it. But I mean, I mean, think about Coca. Coca I don't drink soda anymore, but Coca Cola is 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 got cinnamon in its forefront. You know, that's that's it. And that's when you think of Coca Cola. Mm -hmm. What is Coca Cola? Coca Cola is spicy. It has a it has a it has a kick to it. Um. Is it like drinking jalapeno? No, that's a different, again, we're talking about different types of spice. So like, that's one of the things that really, you know, grinds my gears a little bit when I'm reading reviews or when people are just talking, you know, innately about like the cigars that they're smoking. They're like, oh, this has a nice spice component. Uh, and I try to be wary of that because I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of it too. 
like, okay, well, what kind of spiciness are we talking about? What kind of spice are we talking about? Because there's, you know, there's so many levels of it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you guys are enjoying the pairing. This is this is really good. So um, I definitely have to get you some MXS Dominique Wilkins because that cigar's fucking outstanding. I I guess I need to try it. <laughs> I will I will make that happen. So when uh, the mail starts working again, so <laughs> hopefully one of these days. Yeah. So um um so we're gonna we're gonna go into a, a fun topic that you guys have selected. Um, for us tonight but before that um i need to take a quick break so while i'm doing that for just a moment i'd like you gentlemen to talk take over for just a moment and talk about what's going on uh with not just sharing our pairings but you also have cigar chat and a couple of a couple of other opportunities so i'll let you uh talk about that gentlemen for just a second and i will i will be back momentarily sure so uh cigar chat and sharing our pairings so cigar chat is our show that's typically on Thursdays. It's been on hold for a little bit because of uh, my day job obligation. Uh, but it's a Thursday show where we interview people from the cigar industry. Um, sharing our pairings is Dennis and my pride and joy, uh, which has also been on Maybe. for three weeks or so because of, again, my work obligations. But, you know, that happens once in a while. But uh, check out Sharing Our Pairings. It's where we hang out, smoke a cigar. We smoke the same cigar, pair it with three different options each, and uh, talk about how we feel about it. And people, people seem to enjoy it, and we enjoy it. So check it out. Um, I want to go back to one of the comments that Ed Ryan, he's talking about a gin that we have to try oh. uh, that's made locally. But now it's, you know, Facebook is being Facebook at the moment. Facebook is definitely going to Facebook, man. It's been happening a lot. I got, I got a, what did he write? I'm looking at the comments now. I'm, I'm trying to find the comment. It was a gin made locally by Ben Jeans, but now I, still weather spirits. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, um, there it is. I haven't had it, but now I need to. I need to go find a bottle so that I can try it out, because uh, I'm I'm in in Oregon. So that, that uh, butterfly yeah. gin was really great uh, that you sent uh, a while back. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one that too. Really good. Um. Yeah, I really need to try that. It sounds delicious, and Ben says it pairs well with cigars. And you want to know what we're smoking? We're smoking the Pachardo Classico at the moment. And we just finished a mystery cigar, which turned out to be the uh, Aquitaine EMH from Roma Craft Cigars. Welcome back, Bear. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys taking over for a second. I, I also love um, when I have you guys on because uh, that means that Ed Ryan always pops in and participates. Yeah. Um, I have no doubt that uh, I have no doubt that uh, that Ed, you know, uh, is a fan of my show and actually. Uh, enjoys uh enjoys uh, listening to my show from time to time but he he definitely is more active when the uh, the sig fed boys are on so I, I always appreciate it i'm i'm you know i've i've known him for a long time uh so anytime i'm on air and he has the chance he'll he'll pop in to chastise me <laughs> <laughs> you know um 
you know, that was, you know, the speaking of Ed. So one of the one of before we jump into the fun topic, one of the one of the interesting pieces of cigar news in the last few months that kind of came out is is um, the um, the news with Miami Cigar Company, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of people uh, leaving, um, um, being let go, I guess, is a is a is a polite way of saying it. But, you know, uh, from from it because they decided to take a different they're going a different direction with their business and stuff. Um, you know, and Ed, Ed, I think repped Miami cigar for, I mean, if I'm, I mean, I'm sure he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was close to a decade. Yeah. He had them in his portfolio. Ed's done a great job. He's, he manages a lot of brands. Joe D manages a lot of great brands. I don't think Joe D ever worked for Miami, but uh, I know that Ed worked for them for a long time. Nate McIntyre, who's with, uh, who's now with general uh, in their new, they split off. Uh, they split off you know, their, their portfolio into this, this new venture. Um, and Nate McIntyre is working over there with uh, some of those, this, some of those other brands mm-hmm. um, is that's kind of exciting for him. Um, um, you know, but, um, but when you guys saw the, cause I, cause I know you said how close you are to Ed and stuff. When you guys saw the news about Miami cigar, company making this 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 business decision and with a lot of people uh who'd been with associated with the company for a long period of time having to go a different direction now what what were what were your kind of your your initial thoughts on it i was i'm, I'm curious because i'm a big well, miami fan we talked about the don lino africa a few moments ago and things like that mm-hmm. and, well my immediate thought was what does that mean for ed so i you know immediately reached out to him to see what was going on um it's one of those things that sometimes in business happens where I, I feel like the reasoning for it is most likely that, you know, they were losing distribution of La Aurora at some point. Um, and I think that that's like, I don't know what percentage, but I would think that's a big percentage of Miami's business or it was. Um, so I unfortunately think that it was the only thing they could do like going down to pretty much just Nesta Miranda product as what they're distributing makes it so they don't have as many avenues and have to downsize. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, Miami cigar could go down to just Tatiana and they would, you know, they would have enough money for their grandchildren's grandchildren. <laughs> That's grandchildren. true. So, <laughs> Um, uh, I often joke about, I mean, it's the, it's the, and I, and I've, I've said this to representatives of the company to their face and, you know, I, so I have no problem saying it, but the, uh, the, uh, the, there's only one cigar in this, on this planet that makes me ill just being around and that's the groovy blue. Um, but that cigar, let's, let's face it. That cigar keeps the lights on into so many cigar shops around this country, that you know what i don't even mind i i mean i i mean i just that cigar hates my body i mean there's no other way to say it (laughs) i i don't hate the cigar because again it it performs so well like from business wise but um my body just hates it it just it just reacts very poorly around it it just does um but uh, but that cigar is (laughs) the number one seller in most humidors i mean oh yeah it's 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 an it's insane it's just absolutely insane. So yeah, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Nestor could, uh, you know, set up his, his great, great, great grandchildren with, which just sells of that cigar period, let alone the rest of the Tatiana line. 
Yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was an interesting diver, you know, you know, diversion considering like you know from from my understanding of it, I think. I, I, I don't think it was La Aurora saying we're done with Miami. And I don't think it was Miami saying we're done with La Aurora. I think, I, I think it was actually a, a, a more almost a mutual. Yeah. Agreement. That's the way it seemed to me is more that, I mean, La Aurora at, at the end of their agreement, they're ready to put their big boy pants on and start distributing for themselves. They're big enough to do that. Now they weren't when they started with Miami, they needed distribution. So Ed just put up his portfolio and this is an impressive list. I had no oh, idea yeah. it was this fast. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, so he's actually still with Toscano. Mm-hmm. He's got Dunbar and tobacco and trust. He's with Steve CLE and asylum HVC. He's with Rainier United cigar. Sutliff Mac Baron. I'm actually not familiar with that very much. Uh, pipe tobacco. Got it. Okay. Patina. Mo Molly, solid. Lotus and Vertigo, great accessory line. And uh, and JMJ, JMG, excuse me. Um, I, I think that that's like you know almost. I don't want to pigeonhole any you know any like brokers who are like listening and they don't have one and I'm going to make them feel bad, but I feel like like that's like the really mark of a really some of the really great broker brokers is that they have like this for not this phenomenal portfolio of brands and then they like they have like a really solid performing accessory, yeah, in their wheelhouse. Like Dave Brophy down here in Texas has Jetline, and that just you know that just really does for just really does well for him. Oh, I I, I get I. I'm not surprised. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Coop, the uh, the guy with the scoop is saying that he believes the Miami story will unfold more very soon. So I'm sure we'll have the details. Yeah, I, I'm sure over the next few months, we're going to learn like the actual what's happening, what happened right now. Like most of what I'm saying and what you're saying is speculation based on what we've seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, should have should have prefaced that for sure but yeah no it just seemed like it just seemed more like a mutual a mutual parting of the ways which is something to be said because like that's pretty much that's pretty much the company line every time so because no one gets fired in this industry yeah you know like everyone is you know it's a mutual it's a mutual agreement to part ways and everything when it's like no one you know unless you're sam lacia nobody admits to getting fired in this industry (laughs) um guy props props to that guy um for for admitting that like unbelievable um but uh but yeah i think that uh i'm really anxious to see what comes of what comes of all those brands i think toscano is actually really making this this really interesting imprint in the american market agreed um la aurora i think i think is primed for a comeback you know which is saying something for a you know a plus 110 plus year old company um, and then, um, but, you know, Nestor Miranda has been around for forever and what he's done with Miami cigar in general, I just, you know, there's there, I, I think all three still have a, a lot of juice left in them to where they could, they could really do something in this industry. And maybe this, you know, maybe the, the, the breakup or whatever you want to call it, maybe it actually, 
maybe actually ends up being a blessing in disguise for all three of those brands. Maybe they're able to, you know, spread their wings and actually do stuff that they couldn't have done as a collective unit. You know, that might be. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right. Well, gentlemen, I've been stalling long enough. Um, so you guys, you guys wanted to surprise me with a, with a, with a fun, a fun, a fun question, fun segment for this, for this particular, during this particular pairing. So I'll let you guys, uh, take the, take the wheel here. Dennis, do you have a fun topic? Oh, absolutely. Oh, indeed right. I do. Um, it's, it's really more of a, I would say an odd, an odd question and maybe one that I've asked myself too many times and I just wanted to share the weird with you guys. So I don't feel as weird. Um, but now imagine if let's just hypothetically picture this situation where, uh, animals could talk, right? Now, if you stay with me on this, there's there's a good oh, point. Here. Um, now, if animals could talk, what what would you think, in your opinion? And I have a I have a, I formulated my own opinion on this already. What animal would be by far the rudest if it could speak? What do you think? I I'm gonna go with a shoebill stork because I just think they're <laughs> they're they're actually really to be fair they're really um, docile around humans, but. I think the shoebill stork would really be kind of that rude and, and, and persnickety almost creature. What do you guys think? I mean, I got to go with cats. Cats would be like, cats would be the equivalent of having my daughter around <laughs> where it's like, like we have to beg her to ask for things. Cause she's just like, daddy, get me milk. I'm like, no, and then, like, it turns into 20 minutes. You got but legs. that would be a cat. That, that's how a cat would be, where the cat would come up and be like, yo, pet me, bitch. <laughs> and you'd be like, I, my hands are busy right now. I'm cooking dinner. And they're like, I don't care. It doesn't yeah. matter to me what you're doing. I'm going to throw up at your feet, so go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cats would be assholes if they could talk. They'd be worse than they are already. Very so, strong fans. All right. Yeah. So I, I'm not. I'm not a cat fan. I I have a cat because my son wanted one, and so for his birthday this year, we got him a cat. My, excuse me. My wife got him a cat. I. My I, wife got both my kids' cats last year yeah, for the birthday. Yeah. So um, I am not a cat person. Um, the cat that we got, which uh, is a is an orange tabby cat, and my son uh, decided that you know my son named him, so his name is Marshmallow. So I just you know, lament that okay. he's a, he's, to, he's a toasted marshmallow was kind of where I kind of go with that. Strong name. Um, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the only time that he really annoys me is around mealtime. Cause he acts like he's fucking starving. And I'm like, dude, I just fed you, man. What the fuck? You know, yeah. like get over yourself. Um, but overall he's, he's actually not bad. I, I tolerate him pretty well. Um, he's also taken to, uh, sitting on the chair behind me. Um, all day long i work from home so in all, all, all in my zoom meetings i got this fucking cat sitting behind me and i'm like oh god everyone thinks i'm a cat person this sucks um <laughs> i'm definitely a dog person um so you know my as everyone knows my my wife's a zookeeper and so we've kind of we're, we're starting to really build this this menagerie uh in my house so we've got you know we lost we lost my dog back in september um, we have another dog, um, that we've had since, um, my wife and I's first anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary. We got, we got 
Nutmeg, our other dog. Um, and then we have Marshmallow the cat. We have a tortoise named Xander. Oh, short, wow. short for Alexander because he's a Russian. He's a Russian tortoise. Of right. course. Um, and um, I just, you know, and uh, we went, I couldn't name him Nicholas. I just, you know, I was just like, well, we're just Alexander. It's the way. So Alexander the tortoise. And then recently back in September, we, we actually got uh, chickens. So we have oh, chickens. Wow. Yeah, we have chickens in our house. So not in our house now. They're actually out in the backyard, and they're the there's five of them, and uh, one one of them unfortunately ended up being a rooster. Um, which, technically speaking, and I'm saying this publicly, but I shouldn't. But technically speaking, we're not allowed legally to have a rooster in in our city limits. Um, yeah. Luckily, I have some very accommodating neighbors, and he doesn't crow too much, so he's not that big of a deal. But I have four laying. Uh, chickens and they've they've all started to to lay so that's really good so we're actually you know i, I won't have to buy eggs wow you know, which is fantastic that's awesome man. um i know that just really excites trip because i know him and coop just yeah. love eggs you know more than life itself exactly but it was it was interesting that because i said well what are we going to do with um the the rooster's name is francis what are we going to do with francis and uh my wife's like, well, we can, we can keep him. We're trying to get him donated actually to the zoo, um, which would be great. But if not, and I, I said, well, you know, she's like, well, what we just need to watch out for is how aggressive he is. And I said, well, what do we need to watch out for? And she's like, well, if he starts like, just, just really getting really aggressive. I was like, well, what does that look like? She's like, listen, honey, you don't understand. Uh, chickens are rapists. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, she, I mean, she just like out of nowhere just came out with that. I was like, what? Like, she's like, oh, like it'll be bad. Like there'll be feathers missing off of their head and back. And yeah. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Like just apparently just roosters are just, just awful, awful, awful animals, apparently and just huge assholes. Um, so, I mean, to Dennis's question, I, I guess my my from my recent learning experience, I would have to say a rooster. I mean, because apparently they're just rapists. So that seems pretty rude. I mean, that just seems yeah. I mean, that's that's just over the top bad. I mean, um, if you'd asked me before, I learned this from my my wife a few weeks ago. Um, I I'd have to say like you know cats definitely is up there, um, but like a really rude animal like just seems to me like <sighs> like I, I i you know when i think about the animal kingdom and stuff and i think about like rude animals i have to say that probably like you you have to think of the hyena right i mean I mean, first of all, they're just loud and obnoxious with that like hideous cackle yeah. that they do. And and they just have like they're very they're very unclean. They eat they eat like you whatever know, basically yeah, basically whatever they can find and anything like that. And they're 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 never satisfied and they're fucking ugly as hell. Like like let's face it, I mean there's some really cute animals in the animal kingdom. There's some really and there's like even animals that are like ugly but they're still cute in some weird ways right like bats for instance like they're ugly but there's something cute i think about bats sometimes like if you look at them like up close 
Um, but, but yeah, like hyenas, man, are just ugliest sin, and they just they just seem rude. I right. think that's fair. I, I you go back to like the Lion King, right? You know, like, you know, I mean, we could really blame Scar for everything in that film, but I mean, let's face it, the hyenas weren't exactly polite. So, um, yeah, exactly. What? what, what um, well, crap. I I had a horrible fact related to the Lion King, but I suspect I should keep it to myself. What's the what's the horrible what's the horrible factor on Lion King? What was it? Is it is it a baboon? Are we talking baboon here, right? You in the Lion King? You talking about Rafiki? Yeah, was that a baboon? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I don't know if this is true or not, but I. It's not, he's not. Travel. He's not a mandrel, which a lot of people confuse them with. Mandrels are actually yeah. The they're similar. There's some similarities there, but as far as I understand, that whole scene with uh you know the great the great scene the one scene that everybody loves the not, this one not yeah not not to ruin it for all of those cool cats that haven't seen it but um it, it seems like in in real life in the real world um they actually do steal cubs and uh they drop them to their deaths <laughs> no thing. nice so I uh, I still remember the I, I saw it for the uh, <laughs> I still I still do it it still annoys the shit out of my sister we're fucking you know she's she's over forty now and I'm thirty seven and and uh, every, like w- over the years we've we've still happened to watch the Lion King every once in a while and and every every time when he cracks that coconut or whatever at the in the opening <laughs> scene over his like over his head. And every time he cracks it, I do this like this grunt sound, like, oh, and she just she hates me for it. She just thinks it's the most like like deplorable thing in the world. And That's it's awesome. It's the most comical thing I can do. Like it's just true, true little brother fashion, just annoy the shit out of her with it. It's 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 hilarious. Um and uh, but that's that's when I think of the Lion King and, and think of Rafiki. I always think of that opening scene and like me annoying the shit out of my sister with it. It's really funny. But that's a the shoe bill stork. That's an interesting. I, I had to Google it. I'd never seen one before. Oh, now you'll never unsee it when you go to sleep. Yeah, tonight. that's an ugly. That's an ugly bird. <laughs> that thing will be watching you in your sleep. Apparently, What's... Joe D really hates cats. Wow. All right. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not the big. Holy crap! I just googled shoebill stork. My word. Yeah. Okay. That's not a not a pretty animal, dude. Yeah, he. It does seem quite rude. I feel like this thing would steal a cab for me in New York, right? Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man, for sure. Not a doubt. Like, like, bitch, this was mine. Can we share? Go fuck yourself. Like, get the. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself an Uber, you piece of shit. Like, wow. Yeah, I could tell him, see him. He could do that. Man, it's nuts. Um, <laughs> one of the descriptors, the shoebill stork, prehistoric dinosaur looking bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. It's pretty appropriate. Um, wow. Man, that is one ugly looking animal. My word. Goodness. Nice one, Dennis. Trip, did you add one too, or did you leave it to did you leave it to Dennis for the segment? No, I left it to Dennis. All right. <laughs> I All right. appreciate that. It's 
I feel I feel uh, I feel good now that I was able to share that that bit of useless info with you guys. <laughs> Shoe Bill Stork. All right, so we had a couple of other interesting topics that I wanted to bring up tonight. So this was an interesting story now um, that I, I shared with you guys, and um, I, uh, um, I, again, I wasn't. I had one, you know, quasi political comment at the top of the show, and I, you know, I'm not really going to get political here, but it was a show. That was, it was a, it was a story that came from the Daily Wire. Now I'm I'm not a I'm not necessarily a fan or a subscriber to the Daily Wire, nor do I, you know, not a fan of it. I mean, I'm I'm just pretty indifferent towards it. But um, it was a, it was a story about um, the 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 Muppets specifically. So so Disney Plus, uh, and they've done this. In, in fairness, Disney Plus has Disney itself has actually uh, put a number of disclaimers on a number of different um, movies that they stream or shows that they stream and um and the story revolves around the muppets specifically so the when we talk about the muppets we're talking about jim henson right kermit the frog Mm -hmm. miss piggy things like that and so the story uh the story uh talks about um specifically the headline is kermit canceled disney slaps offensive content offensive content label on the muppet show so so actually disney has this this disclaimer on a on a on a few of their their few of their streaming movies or shows that they have on on disney plus it says rather than um um rather than remove this content we acknowledge its harmful impact um you know and so uh rather than remove this content we acknowledge its harmful impact learn from it and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. Okay. Uh, so send the mail. The, uh, the warning is believed to refer to Muppet characters. Okay. This is again, this is the daily wires assumption, right? That the warning is specifically to refer to specific Muppet characters that designed as stereotypes of native Americans, Arabs, and East Asians. Um. So I, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this specifically. Um, you know, and you guys can take it any direction that you want specifically, but the Muppets being offensive, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts. Like, do you find, do you feel like this is 2021 now? And so there's a lot of things that, you know, we grew up as kids that, you know, would be a quote unquote offensive. To, I mean, I grew up with the Muppets, right? For instance. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple of other, um, a couple of other uh, shows inside of um, inside of Disney. Uh, this this warning also comes with uh, Peter Pan, um, and a couple of other. You know, uh, Dumbo is another one that this warning comes on, um, and a lot of the actually a lot of the ratings associated with with movies that we grew up on kids carry a higher rating specifically and this kind of kind of brings us in full circle because of the three of us and our association tobacco use oh yeah is that we see a lot of tobacco use in 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 old disney movies including like i mean everything you know and so um so anyway, wanted to get your thoughts on the Muppets and other shows that we grew up on, or you know, you know, historically significant to the to Disney that are uh, offensive. So um, 
I think tr- I think Trip and I are kind of aligned on certain thoughts on this. So I I want to hear your thoughts, Dennis. What what do you think? Oh man, I'm I'm probably the worst person to ask this because I I ultimately I man, it's hard. I personally growing up as well with the Muppets, I never really looked at it as whether it was tobacco use or whether it was the particular characters. I never considered it in that way, right? So for me, it's hard to look back on it now and wonder, well, hey, maybe yeah, maybe I guess it was kind of messed up back then, but where does it sit today? Um, ultimately, I'm on the on the side of the fence of like, I, I don't know. I don't really care that much, and I think it's not that big of a deal. However, out of out of social responsibility, I have to say that yeah, man, I, it's some of it has been pretty pretty fucking off color and uh, tobacco use. Though I grew up watching cartoons with with characters right that that, that smoked pipes and cigars and cigarettes yeah. and that was everywhere and that. I, I never really um, considered it the tobacco use itself. It was just a, 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 a what's the word a prop to me. Yeah, right. So it's hard for me to frame it in in that like wow that that's really screwed up. Like the opening scene to Mrs. Doubtfire with the bird and smoking the cigar and uh, the cigarette and he refuses to to voice over the bird and quits. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting how things have aged. She's, you know, like with that, you know, with just tobacco use into it. Like, you know, um, the the crows specifically in Dumbo are smoking cigars. There's a mm-hmm. lot of cigar smoking in in older. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective, you know, which is one of my favorite animated films. Um, Basil of Baker Street is, you know, you know, almost habitually smoking a pipe throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know what's you know which is you know is depicted in that that film and and you just don't i mean you would just never see that you would never see that in today's today's disney films or or anything you know and just you know it just it just wouldn't even appear in it uh peter pan dumbo and the aristocats was another one yeah um that that one. they talk about this i mm. i i will say Dumbo has an interest. I will say Dumbo does have an interesting point with the crows, right? Because they're very, um, the crows uh, and their musical number uh, there. Again, this is Disney saying this, the crows and the musical number pay homage to racist minstrel shows, which white performers with black faces. We've, we've heard about the controversy there and tattered with clothing imitated and ridiculed enslaved um, Africans or of Southern plantations. Um, um, I'll tell you what hasn't aged well. The the crow's name in Dumbo is Jim Crow. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. So okay. That yeah, I I yeah, I I could get I could yeah, yeah I wow. could I could do away with that. That's 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 not that's that doesn't age well at all. I agree. Um, but uh, you know, like the lyrics of like, when they're building the 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 in the rain and the open one of the opening scenes when they're building the circus in there, they're singing the song of the the roustabouts face. You know, they say that they're faceless black workers. I think that they're just workers. I never viewed them as black. Um, but one of the 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 lyrics say when we we when we get our pay, we throw our money all away. That's in the that's actually oh, in wow. the song, and I'm like. Again, I just don't. When I see that scene, I actually went back when I read the story. I, I queued it up because I, I have Disney Plus. I queued it up and I watched it. And I was like, I didn't think it then. I still don't think. I don't view them as black. Like they're just workers. 
so I, I you know, I, I think that's people were kind of reading into something that just isn't there unless I'm missing something because they're, they are working in the dark and in the rain and you don't see them. They're just silhouettes of men, men working. I mean, if anything, it's offensive to women because women aren't in there. Right. I mean, like if we're, if we're being, if we're being just like over the top, picking everything apart here. Yeah. I don't know. The Jim Crow thing definitely just, yeah, that does not age yeah. well at all. That's, that's yeah, that, that, that needs to go. <laughs> that's just terrible. Well, so the, saying that needs to go that's the thing that i like i mankind evolves and has constantly evolved and will always evolve and as we evolve we you know our our retrospective on what we've done changes uh we like in in the 50s it was perfectly fine to make black people use a different sink because we didn't want them using the white sink that's not okay anymore that it shouldn't have ever been okay but we realize that now as a culture and i think that changing art to align with modern culture is dangerous so i mean i'm i'm in full support of like just putting warnings on stuff like this so that people know like this we realize this looks bad this did not age well we're not happy with what was done in the past yeah but you know changing it i think is worse because it's that's not just acknowledging that views of the past were wrong mm-hmm. that's saying that you know we should just pretend those views never existed yeah and and, and i kind of i i kind of spoke in haste there and i'm not i'm not trying to backtrack but i, I agree with you trip like when i say that has to go like yeah, like going forward, but you would never dream of doing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like that—that's what I mean by like has to go. Like, okay. Yeah. No. When I when I say has to like like Dumbo is actually has a very very soft spot in my mind. I, I have a lot of fond memories of Dumbo because that was I don't, I don't know why and I don't know how, but that was the movie of choice. That was that, your repeat movie. Well, when I was a kid, whenever my one of our Saturday traditions is that my 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 siblings and I would play in the backyard with my dad. We would play a game of baseball, and then we would come in in that night, and my father would cook dinner for us, and we would watch Dumbo. And so it has a very you know nostalgic feel to me. Yeah, you know, um, and I and I, I I cherish that. And I when I showed my my son that movie. You know, my, my youngest son has no idea what's going on. He's he's one. But when I showed my son that movie, I never, you know, again, I never had any inkling to tell him about anything. Like the, I, I mean, I think the the weird, I, I wouldn't even say it's offensive. The weirdest part of the Dumbo movie is the kind of the the drunken, you know, acid trip that he goes on. Oh yeah, and that's that's a little weird. Um, it was weird then. I mean, I didn't understand the context of it. I didn't like it then because it was just weird. I still don't like it now because it's weird. Um, you know, just, just, just odd. Um, you know, it just, it just, yeah, it was just interesting, but the, um, the, I mean, I, I think the, first of all, I don't know what's offensive about the Muppets. I I, can, to go back to the main point is I haven't watched the Muppets in long enough that I, I don't, I have no idea what could possibly be offensive from it. Yeah, maybe it's I, maybe it's that they misrepresented Swedes. Yeah, the Swedish, Swedish chef. chef. Yeah, 
I, I, I don't get, I don't get what the, what, what's offensive about the Muppets. Um, I mean, I think Miss Piggy's annoying and she's a little abrasive, but I mean, I, I mean, what is that? How is that offensive? You know, like, I, I, I just, I just don't understand that. I mean, I mean, Jim, Jim Henson brought a lot of characters to life for a lot of children in his lifetime. Yeah. And I just think it, I, I think it shits on, on the creative talent that he was. Um, and I don't think that, I mean, I didn't know the man personally and I don't, I've, you know, I haven't done extensive research on the man, but I just don't think that like in his creative process, I don't think he, he ever wanted to put down any people. I think he wanted to bring a creative beings to life in a way that was relatable to children. And I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just idealistic in that sense. The Peter Pan thing is interesting because they talk about warning is it's a stereotypes about the, how native Americans are depicted in that. So I have an interesting perspective on this. I happen to be native American. And so the, the, uh, the quote unquote Indians, which I, I do have a problem with that word, but the Indians inside the Peter Pan are, you know, have the, the stereotypical headdress and they're beating on yeah. war drums and teepees. Yeah. And this is my take on this. Um, Your Fumar it, take, would you say? What's that? Yes, <laughs> yes, my Fumar take. Yes, this is my Fumar take on it. Um, and they were smoking their peace pipes with it too. Yeah, which is also right. You know, kind of goes in line with it. I, I don't. Th- there were there were Native American tribes that that were reminiscent of those practices. Mm-hmm. There were Native Americans that lived in teepees that had wigwams that had you know the feathered headdresses that that beat on drums and so I I, I don't think that's inaccurate to say that all Native American people are like this, then yes, but that's not what Peter Pan is saying. That's not what Disney is saying. They're saying that there's these, there's these, again, if you want to get picky with something, there's these Indians that are living in Neverland and this is what they're depicted as. I I don't find that offensive in the slightest. And we're talking about my own, my, you know, my own history there. And I don't know. It just, to me, it just didn't, it's the same. It's the same thing about like the uh, the Cleveland Indians. I don't like the name, like it, you know. Yeah. Um, Atlanta Braves. I don't have a problem with. The Florida State Seminoles. I don't have a problem with. What about uh, the Washington Football Team? I I am. Interestingly enough, I'm in, I'm indifferent towards it. Okay. Um. I I don't want to I don't I ser- I certainly don't want to sit here and speak for all Native Americans because I'm I'm not going to do that. And I if you're going to be a, I, if you're going to be offended by something it, you know what what's the one what's the one kind of thing that we go back to in this country when we're talking about race equality, right? It's talking about that no one should be you know, it's that it's the infamous Martin Luther King quote, right? That a that a person will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content the content of their character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, man. by and large, 
in taking that taking that one seemingly infamous quote into context yeah i could see how redskins would be offensive to 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 uh to native american people i i don't i'm pretty indifferent towards it um but the 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 moniker of native americans being a mascot for a team uh is not offensive at all i think actually i think it's i think it's actually praising in a lot of ways especially the way that like the atlanta braves you know kind of kind of hoist hoist their mascot on the vessel i mean it's not like they're making fun of them it's not like they're belittling them they're, they're calling them braves for crying out loud i think that you know that that's interesting i mean florida the florida state university has actually gotten permission from the from the tribe to actually use yeah. the name so um and the uh their mascot which is ador- uh, which ad- is actually adorned in traditional seminal dress so it's it's very much legitimate right so i i i think it's i think it's just interesting what where i thought trip you where i thought you and i would align on this particular subject was i think it has to do with because you and i are both parents right yeah I, I think it has to do with educating our children and it's it's i think it's the parents responsibility to point out things that are okay and things that are not and things that have historical context to which they are like that's that's where i have a problem I agree. with this kind of cancel culture that we're in the midst of like the where you where you took exception to the way i mischaracterized myself and i apologize where it was i was saying like oh just get rid of it and that's not what i was saying and that's that's the way you took it and i'm i'm with you in that um you, you to to delete art or to edit art because it doesn't age well is is a dis is a disservice to history yeah exactly my feelings um my my feeling precisely on this is that when you when you ignore history you're it, it, it i'm a big historian guys i mean when you fail to learn from history you are doomed to repeat it yeah. it, it, it it is a it's cliche because it's true exactly it is cliche because it's true if you do not learn from the mistakes of the past you are doomed to repeat it because you didn't learn from it and yeah and you know you know having cartoon characters you know you know smoking cigars or during things that are like we would consider mature or only or only, um, you know, only appropriate for adults in children's films. Yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion that I get to have with my sons. Yeah, exactly. But um, my five year old knows that um, he knows not to touch my lighters because he knows that they're fire. He knows not to touch my cutters because they're sharp. He knows not to touch my, as he calls them, gagars, because <laughs> they're daddy's gagars and they're for grownups. I mean, my son pushes the envelope on a lot of things, and he pushes the envelope and limits on a lot of things. But those are some things that I've taught him, and he, 
they sink in. They're clear to him. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't understand why, why we as parents can't teach our children the same thing about the, the, the films that we enjoyed as enjoyed as children. I mean, I think that's why I prefer the warnings over the editing is that yeah. the warnings acknowledge that, you know, this my this may not have aged well, um, but it gives us the opportunity to explain that to our children, to explain why things have changed, why this view was different in the past, um, and educate them. Yeah, you know, when um, – because my, my, my dad and I actually spoke about this a long time ago because, my you know, speaking of Matt Ty from a moment ago, we were, we were joking about his, his, his affinity for not liking John Wayne. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. on John Wayne. That's what – all the Westerns I, – I watched a lot of Westerns with my dad, and I, and I, remember, I remember actually asking him at one point, um, how come – how come there – you know, even in post civil, because I understood that even as a young teenager or even as a young kid, even at 10, 9, 10 years old, I understood the context of the Civil War mm-hmm. and how slavery ended, right? Um, and uh, But I asked him, even like in post Civil War Westerns, why black people weren't more prominent or why black people weren't allowed to do things and things like that, and or why there weren't more black heroes in some of these films. And I remember my father telling me very clearly, um, he's like, son, you have to understand when these, these films were made, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of places in this country, you know, black people still weren't allowed to vote people, black people were still not allowed to use the same drinking fountain, black people were relegated to a lower, a lower uh, class of society. And He's like, it's, it, it's, it's like, and he said, it's not right. And, and things have changed a lot since then, but you know, that's why even in, even in films and even in post-Civil War films, black people weren't treated as equal because they weren't considered equal at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I remember my father teaching me that and, and that stuck with me. I'm 37 years old and I remember that conversation still. And so I think it's important for us as parents to teach our children the historical context of everything, not just, you know, not just the, what I call the highlight history reel, you know, like, oh, the, you know, going back to the American revolution, you know, no taxation without representation. A lot of people don't realize that the American colonies were actually taxed far less than people who lived on the, the Island of Great Britain. Yeah. Significantly. So actually, um, you know, that, that doesn't age well because we, we talk about, you know, like we fought for our rights and we won our freedom and, you know, that's, that's great. Rah, rah, America. Yeah, that's fantastic. We wouldn't be here without our founding fathers, uh, you know, staking their, their, their inalienable rights, right. Proclaiming their inalienable rights. So, um, you know, to say that the civil war was entirely about freeing the slaves is also historically inaccurate as yeah. well 
um, to say that when the Union won that and slaves were freed with the 13th Amendment is also historically inaccurate. Um, yeah, by proclamation, they were free. They were no longer enslaved people. That's correct. Did they suddenly become, you know, normal members of society? No. And, you know, that's that's also inaccurate as well. But I, I think it's just you the highlight reel of history, you know, that we were taught as children is also I mean, that goes back to education. That's the, that's the that's the true travesty of the, and the true tragic nature of, of this. And the fact that we have to slap warning labels on things uh, or, God forbid, changing things or removing things because they're offensive, I think I think does far greater a disservice to the education of our future generations than actually just simply having the conversation. Yeah, exactly. So. Makes you want more kids. Makes you want to have kids, right, Dennis? I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. It's a, it's a little that's... too late to think about it now. <laughs> i'm excited man uh it listen it, it's an opportunity it's a really great opportunity to to share um and to really educate in a in a really special meaningful way that's not just like hey go and figure shit out it's more of a yeah, let's talk about these things let's consider these things let's understand what they mean what they meant what they could mean going forward in the future and it's the story that keeps changing as we evolve to trips point earlier and uh those are all valuable things man so did 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 trip just suggest something that i think did i read into it have i had too much cocktail tonight i think you may have missed a post on dennis's timeline this week what did i miss i missed some i missed something is oh is, yeah. Oh, dude. So I'm sorry. I'm also, it's like, I think it's, I don't even know what fucking time it is. It's, it, I'm, it's, two, I'm it's like, two o'clock your time. I'm, I'm pulling a coop, you know, in Vegas at the media house, we're all sitting <laughs> and I'm pulling a coop right now where I'm like, my eyes are open and I'm talking to you, but I think that I may be asleep. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, which he did that to me. I was talking to coop man for, I don't know how many hours. And I realized after like the first hour, the second hour that he was actually sleeping. But we were chatting. Um, anyway, yeah, man, we we um, announced that we have a, a baby boy on the way in in oh. August. Congratulations, and, uh, yeah, man! Thank you. It's uh, it, it's been we've been you know keeping it under our hat, so to speak, for a while now, and just really excited to share uh, with with everybody now. Baby boy, man! Fantastic! Congratulations! Thank you very much. That is exciting. Joining joining the ranks, man. Good times. Boys are great. Nothing against your daughter trip, but, but you know, <laughs> boys are fantastic. Love them. The rude, the rude cat. Yeah. <laughs> the rude cat analogy aside. Um, terrible. Yeah. Okay, guys. So, well, I, I think we uh, kind of beat this topic and I, it was, just, it was just an interesting story that caught my attention. I was like, Oh, that would be an interesting discussion, you know, Mm -hmm. So an, another one, and this is this is kind of where I'll, I'll, we'll we'll kind of end our night on this one, and then I wanted to go into our curveball segment here. Is um, so so the three of us have uh, an unusual perspective. We're, we're the three of us are still relatively young, you know. Um, so 
I'm 37. I've said that a couple times on the show. Trip, how old are you again? I'll be 37 on Thursday. Okay. Happy birthday. Uh, early. Dennis? Uh, 32, but I feel like I'm a solid 53. So got that going for me. All right. So we were, okay. So we were all um, obviously um, comprehensive beings at the, at the time of when 9-11 happens. Yes. So, so when 9-11 happened, which is 20 years ago this year. So Dennis was 12. He was the youngest. Tripp and I, I was a senior in high school. Tripp, I guess you were a junior yep. in high school. Um, and I mean, but, you know, we were old enough to probably all remember where we were on September 11th when, oh, when, yeah. when everything happened. And, and so, and so at the time and, and for the last 20 years up until a few weeks ago, or even be, I guess before 2020, I guess COVID kind of falls into this, like COVID, uh, the COVID era was probably the most, is probably the most significant event in our lifetime, 9-11, you know, 1A, 1B, I guess would probably be it. Yeah. Um, but then on January 6th, another event transpired that was historic, historically significant. And that was the, the riots uh, on Capitol Hill. Right. And I, and I, I really don't want to get too political on this, it just like from a historical standpoint and historical context, like, uh, un, you know, unprecedented is a word that's gotten thrown around a lot the last 12 months. Like it's, you know, chump change, but I mean, we really are living in a very interesting time. Um, but I think historically speaking, from an event perspective, single day, whatever you want to call it, 9-11, and for us on January 6th with the Capitol riots, for our, for, for the three of us sitting here, two of the most, two of the, the, the most significant historical events in, in our lifetimes for, sing, for single day. Absolutely. So um, I thought it would be interesting to just kind of reflect on where you were what you remember of September 11th and then where contextually speaking, where were you were on January 6th when the Capitol riots occurred? Like, so, um, so Dennis, uh, since you were the youngest at 12 years old, what do you, what do you recall from September 11th? Where were you, what were you doing? What were your feelings as a, as a, as a, you know, and, as a young teenager? Uh, so I was in, uh, I was in middle school and I was in uh, computer class back then computer class meant you learn how to type properly um mavis beacon typing i believe it was oh, yeah. called yeah it's old mavis beacon it's a classic so yeah doing that and and so we got the news and it was really confusing i was in school in brooklyn at the time and really i had no clue what was going on until you know all the parents had to show up and you know pick up the kids and i went home and, and finally saw the news and heard the news and it still didn't really register because I think it was just the, the perspective and also the, my age, I, I kind of couldn't grasp the concept of what was happening. Um, and I don't know what, what it was, but I, I will never forget, man. I, I was home and uh, I played the game called Grind Session, a little old skateboarding game for PlayStation 1, uh, is how I spend my afternoon kind of disconnected, pushed off to the side, sort of, you know, my parents, I guess, maybe trying to keep people was happening more or less away from me in that sense and it took a while man it took a it took definitely at least a couple of days to really fully grasp everything and to let it really settle in wow but no i you know i but uh, my father was working um 
close to Manhattan. So he actually saw what was happening as it happened. Uh, I, I did not see. I know some kids in schools, other schools actually saw what was happening. And I can't imagine how awful that must have been. Wow, here's a here's an interesting memory, just an aside from that. Joe D, who's a fireman, and we've talked about a couple times yeah. already tonight, his first day as a fireman was 9-11. Wow. Holy shit. What a first day. Holy crap. Yeah, seriously. Unbelievable. Props to you, Joe. You don't I didn't know you were I didn't know you were that much older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look like you when I grow up. My goodness. Um <laughs> Wow, that's that's interesting. Um so the the interesting the interesting thing on that particular topic too is like um so i mean you you had this again you 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 know you were you like you said you were a teenager you're young younger younger than the trip and i but it was it was this kind of almost i don't know i i guess I, and i think all three of us are gonna have this it was surreal is that kind of inappropriate i, I think even even beyond surreal I, th I think for me to say it was surreal at the time, I'd have to acknowledge that I was really understanding what was happening. And um, it, it, it was just a, it was so crazy. That was the thing is it's, it, yeah. it hit so, so hard in this crazy way that this unthinkable thing could happen and is happening. Um, that surreal was my feeling after. Uh, but in the moment, I think it was just some dissociative chaos that was happening. Interesting. Trip, trip, where were you? Do you remember? Oh, of course. Uh, I was actually in computer science class, funnily enough. Then. <laughs> um, I was in computer Origin science story. class. Uh, I'm trying to remember my teacher's name. I don't remember his name. Uh, I remember exactly what he looked like. He had a goatee and glasses and short, spiky hair. Uh, and we were learning to use, uh, like, I, I believe it was Microsoft front page that month or whatever. Um, and we were, we had learned like front page and uh, what's PowerPoint and a couple other things like that. Um, and I remember we walked into class, we sat down and like maybe five minutes later, the teacher said, my brother just messaged me on AOL Instant Messenger and said he works at the World Trade Center and he said a plane crashed into it. And we were like, what? That's so weird. And uh, I still remember in my mind, it was a Cessna or something like that. Some small, you know, personal transportation style plane had crashed. Um, and then we all went to CNN or Fox News or Yahoo News or something like that. Um, every single person in the class, we were all sitting in front of a computer with the Internet and we all pulled up the news and like refreshed the page over and over again, live reading about what was happening at the time, obviously you didn't really have live video on the internet. Um, but we refreshed the page constantly keeping up with what was happening. Um, I remember then the bell rang and we went to math class and a kid came in right before math class started. And he was like, a, or no, the second plane hit while we were still in uh, computer science. And then in math class, right as it started, a kid came in and he's like, a plane just hit the Pentagon. Like it's a big deal there's we're under attack 
and the math teacher's like, unless the plane hits this school, we're not stopping math class. And we did math class. And then the next period, they basically came on over the intercom and said, like, school is, uh-oh, my video just froze. Let me <laughs> fix that. Uh, it's my camera keeps crashing. Um, so after that period, we, uh, like they came on over the intercom and basically said, if, if you want to continue doing school, you can, if you drove to school, you can go home. If you need a bus, you can stay here until the end of the day. And they basically set up the, we had like these big TVs in all of the presentation rooms, uh, which I feel like never got used outside of this. Um, but we had all of these, it was a, a new, it was, I think the, yeah, it was the first year the school had been opened because they built a new school. Um, and they had all these big presentation rooms with huge projection TVs. And we spent the rest of the day watching the news. And I, I remember like for days afterward, I would get home from school and just watch TV all day, trying to understand what was happening. I was, it was very scary for me. Especially because, um, man, some of the kids that I went to school with, I grew up in Connecticut, so I was in Connecticut when this happened, and a lot of people, we were about an hour and a half from New York City, and a lot of people who I knew, their parents worked in New York. Uh, I know two people, or I knew two people, I guess, whose parents were killed. Uh, one of them worked there. One of them was a fireman who was getting people out. My girlfriend at the time her father was I don't know what his position was but he was he was pretty high up like at the Red Cross and ended up spending two months going to New York every day spending he would be home on Saturday and Sunday and for the whole week he was staying in New York doing cleanup and rescue and stuff like that uh it was scary time man and I, I also I was thinking I remember for weeks afterwards, there were military planes flying overhead all the time. Um, I don't know if they were on patrol or what, and I remember it always freaking me out that like, they're attacking now, we're at war. Uh, it was a very scary time for me as a 17 year old. Holy shit, you were 17? Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, 18, 17, almost, yeah, 17 and then turning 18, so. Um, I was a senior in high school. Interestingly enough, two months later in November, I flew, I flew overseas for the very first time to visit my sister who was staying abroad in London. So, Oh, that, that reminds me that I had a friend who was flying back from Ireland that day and she got grounded in Canada. And we like, we had no idea whether she was on one of those planes or not. Oh God, it's terrifying. That was like before cell phones and everything too. Yeah, so, yeah. Cell phones weren't really a thing. So we like, we heard from her over AOL Instant Messenger like days later. Oh, wow. So uh, funnily enough, so the first plane crashed uh, as I was walking into my living room. I was getting, I had gotten dressed and I was ready for school. I was, way, I was on my way out the door. I worked, uh, I worked <laughs> in our computer lab <laughs> at my high school. So we all share that interesting, yeah. fun tidbit. Um, and the, when the second plane crashed into it, it was, I was actually at the computer lab at my high school and we, I watched it on television when the second plane crashed into the second tower. And, um, and then the, uh, 
and then of course uh, subsequently then the 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 plane into the pentagon um moments later as well um i i I remember it feeling very surreal like this isn't real this is um and um the um it was just it was just one of those like almost outer body experience um feelings yeah and i am i was just i was i was really just floored by the whole thing and and I remember going to from class to class and I actually, we stayed in school the whole day actually, but no one taught anything. We were just actually in, um, you know, and I say funnily enough because it was just, you know, it was funnily enough was interesting because like we still went to class and it was like, my teachers and everything was still trying to go about normal, but we all knew. And I think everyone, I think from the teachers to the students understood that right in front of our eyes, right in the moment, our world just changed. Yeah. It was never going to be the same again. It was never going to be the same again. Um, and I, You know, I look back on I look back on that and now it's twenty years ago. I can't believe it's been twenty years, but I look back and it was twenty years ago. My experience in that moment was just still one like that I'm still twenty years later still trying to piece together like how like I emotionally dealt with that. And You know, again, we're we're talking about being parents a moment ago, and and I know that there's going to be that kind of like that defining moment at some point in my son's lives, right? You know, there's they're going to have that that moment in their their history where they're going to have that same thing. It's going to define their lives in the way that their generation is going to be afford and everything, like the way that September 11th was for us. And, and uh, I from a purely, you know, trying to be subjective about it from a purely academic standpoint, like I, I just wonder like how the next generation will deal with another event like that. You know, this is, you know, specifically, you know, like just considering like the week that we just had mm-hmm. as a country and my entire state being crippled by a, mm-hmm. by a winter storm and much of this country and in your state as well too, Trip. It's, it's, you know, I, I just don't remember and maybe it's just different because our perspectives are different now. Maybe, you know, but like, I, I just don't remember that many things affecting my life. Like it hasn't since then. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like I remember where I was when we killed bin Laden. I remember when, uh, Gaddafi was captured and killed. I remember when Saddam Hussein was captured. Um, you know, all these like events, post 911 um where i remember as i remember as a uh, as a first grader desert storm you know yeah me too 
you know, that's, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's where right around when I guess Dennis was born or he was, you know, very, very, very young. Doesn't remember probably, but um, that's, you know, it, it's just interesting. Like I find, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping that whatever transpires in the future that somehow, you know, it affects my son's lives, you know, the way that, that nine 11 affected mine and how, how our country has changed um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways for the better. Um, you know, air travel is never going to be the same. You know, I think it, you know, I can't wait to tell my son stories about how we used to, you know, walk people to the, to the, you know, the air, you know, the airport gate and actually would say goodbye from the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's never happening again. Um, that was the most fun to, I used to love going to the airport, man. You would go through the security check, you know, anytime you would pick somebody up, it was awesome. Um, yeah. get to put stuff through the conveyor belt. Um, so, so to, to fast forward to just a couple of weeks ago, so January 6, 2021, what we've disguised as another historical event in our lifetime, uh, the Capitol Hill riots. So I'll lead off because I think this is this is interesting. I was working all day, and my wife actually texted me, and she's like, "Did you do you see what do you know what's going on?" And I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" She's like, "They're they're storming the Capitol," and I was like, "Like, are they down in Austin? Like, you know, thinking the capital of Texas, you know?" Yeah. And she's like, "No," and she like even spelled it correctly. She's like, "The Capitol." And I was in the middle, of, I, I, I demonstrate software for a living. I was in the middle of the demo. So I'm like Googling while I'm trying to talk about my products to a potential customer. And I'm Googling about what's going on. And I see that, you know, that there, there's these riots going on in the capital, the capital of our country. And, and it was, I mean, talk about, talk about absolutely surreal. Um, I just couldn't, I mean, some of the images, I mean, we've seen some of the photos that have happened, you know, the, the uh, the masked FBI agents, Secret Service agents, uh, pointing guns through that window. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the the um, the rioters, you know, busting through the the uh, the Congressional House, and I mean, it just oh man, it was just. I mean, that is that is to me that's a moment that'll that'll echo in our in our history for generations to come and and i was working through it all which is just just interesting i get uh, from that i pretty much missed the whole thing um so i'm just uh, just curious on your thoughts so like 20 years later Another historical event happens, another significant historical event in our lifetime. Where, where were you guys and what were you doing and what were your thoughts? Trip? Uh, I, was, I was sitting right here in this very seat working. And I'm trying to remember. <clears throat> I think I'm trying to remember. I think my wife was out of town with the kids. And I was, or no, no, she wasn't yet. So she was still here. So she was just in the house and I was sitting here working and I got a message from somebody on, I think it was, it was either on discord or Facebook. Somebody messaged me and said like, 
man, there's like people rioting at the Capitol or no, there's protesters outside the Capitol building. And I pulled it up on the news sites and was like, wow, that's crazy that they're, you know, protesting the election. And I basically watched it unfold in real time, you know, through watching videos and uh, watching live coverage and just reading articles about it, refreshing. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of 9-11 in the way that I was sitting there on a news site, just refreshing the page, yeah. watching the updates happen in real time, seeing the pictures of what's going on. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was surreal is the right word for it. Like just wondering, like, is this, is this the end of our country? Like what is even happening right now? Uh, and it, it called back a lot of emotions from 9-11. 20 years ago. Dennis? Um, well, I was actually uh, similar to Trip. I was, I was working, um, sitting here, and somebody at work on a work Slack posted saying this, something is happening now, just as it was starting to, to, to really kick off and news coverage started to pop up. Um, and I remember actually speaking to a couple of a um, couple of my my hacker buddies. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, we got this super feed." So I got the link to the super oh, yeah. feed, and it was it was just every, every bit of coverage that existed, all tiled into one thing that I I put up on the big TV, and was just running that and following it and watching it and and, and kind of not sure really, really nervous and uncertain of what would happen, not just there, but what impact that would have here for me where I am in New Jersey and, you know, for everyone else uh, all across the country as well in their own cities. And, and of course, what was happening out West at the same time uh, was just nuts, man. I would like to point out that the three of us were working in computers and we also learned about 9-11 while we were working with computers. Yeah, <laughs> that is an interesting parallel. And all three of us are smart enough, smart enough to know that if we're ever dumb enough to do something, you know, illegal, that we're not going to wear our work badge. Yeah, that's like for sure. Like that one guy. I just want to point out. Um, yeah, if you're going to go, uh, if you're going to go do something, uh, I, I would just say if you're going to storm any capital, <laughs> any capital, just take off your work badge before yeah, you do it. It's probably a good call. You know, anything that could probably, you know, actually identify you uh, in any way. Like the guy dressed up in like, uh, you know, as like a, I don't, I don't know how to even, you know, characterize him. Was he like a, a Gaul or <laughs> like, <laughs> like ancient oh, Rome? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, I mean, some of the, I gotta say, some of the costumes were, were, uh, were, were pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but what, I mean, what an absolute, I mean, no, no joking aside. I mean, all in all seriousness, I mean, what a, what a horrific event, um, horrific yeah. day for this country. Um, you know, it just, I, I, I'm still, you know, here I am. It's, it's been almost two months at this point. I'm still, I'm still flabbergasted about the fact that it happened. 
Yeah. And and I probably still will be. I mean, like in many ways, I'm 20 years later, I'm still thinking the same thing about 9-11 and look how much it's transformed the world that we live in today. And I, mm-hmm. I just the ripples of the ripples of that event, what what it'll do on on this nation's history are going to be to put very lightly interesting, but to put in a more major historical context, it's going to it's going to it's going to shake up a lot of things in, in, in our, in, you know, the American fabric, the way that we govern and, and everything. And, you know, again, not to be too lemonade or too naive about it. I hope we can all hold, we can all just certainly hold, you know, hope that it's, that it's, that, that it goes into a more positive direction. Hopefully. Absolutely. So some fun topics to conclude conclude the night, you know, Muppets, yeah, absolutely. Muppets and, you know, storm in the storm in the Capitol and everything. But uh, any final thoughts on the pairing, gentlemen? Both great pairings in very, very different ways. Uh, well done. Hopefully we can get back together sometime soon to do 7.0 with the pairings that were intended for this evening. Yes. So I, I will have to come up with a new spirit and new cigar, but that'll be okay with me. But at least you guys, you guys are taken care of and done. So um, that'll be good. That'll be good. So um, I had, uh, and funnily enough, I had an idea for uh, for version 7.0, and it's even more appropriate now. So this is our curveball segment, and so I thought we would actually discuss 7.0 as part of our curveball segment to conclude right. the evening. Um, so here was my idea, and I and I, now it's even more appropriate considering the news that we were just learning about a few moments ago. Uh, so we typically do uh, the show in February, March, and then we also do it in uh, July, August is when we do um, the second the second show. Um, last year, we did it just a couple weeks after Dennis's wedding, uh, which you guys, well, obviously Dennis was there, but you were there as well, Trip. So, yes. um, um, but, uh, and we, we, uh, we, we shared the good news there and talked about that and everything. So I thought that now even more it's appropriate because uh, Baby's Fang is coming in August. I thought it would be interesting to pair a cigar with champagne to celebrate oh, Dennis's like one, year, one year anniversary. And I guess now the arrival of Baby's Fang. So um, what, what do you all think? I, I'm thinking we could go, I mean, we could really go marathon and go, the traditional three pairings or i could simply since i'm the now i'm the wild card now since you guys will already have supplied stuff i could provide the champagne which i'm totally for um and the cigar um the mystery cigar to pair with champagne so i'm i am i will own that if we want to do that and just go with the three pairings i think that works um i i was going to suggest maybe a 6.5 in between but i think that's actually a really good idea i like it ben yeah i, I like that awesome okay all right, so we will we will kick off version 7.0 with some champagne, some bubbly, not to be confused with yeah. the bubbly that I've been drinking uh, tonight with uh, with our pairings, um, but actual bubbly to celebrate uh, the one year wedding anniversary of Dennis and Jessica, and also their beautiful baby boy that'll be arriving in August. That's fantastic news, man! Fantastic, congratulations. Thank you, beautiful, man. Beautiful, beautiful. This is the first time I've been able to say it publicly, but congratulations. Yes, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now I got to come up with a cigar. This will be fun. This will be fun. So, all right. And and champagne. 
I do. Okay. So, uh, Dennis, I mean, do you, is there a particular champagne that you like? Do you like brute? Do you like extra dry? Like what, what's the, what's the, what's you know, the favorite of this Fang household? I don't think, I don't really, there is a champagne that, that we used to get pretty regularly. That was our just like, a, ah, let's get some champagne kind of thing, but it's by no means any highfalutin kind of thing. I, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's Corbell actually Corbell extra dry if i'm not mistaken okay um but that being said uh you know i, I like trip I, we both love to try new things and you as well bear you love to try new stuff and explore the palette and see what works and doesn't work with cigars i don't know it's keep it a mystery i think it'll be fun to be challenging considering my remarks about wine and cigars earlier so yeah. um it'll be a it'll be a but challenge hey, you- You've you got nailed, some research. You nailed tonight's pairings. So, and you have some time to do some some market research there. I think I have an idea of the champagne that I'll be sending. So the the uh, the good news is is that the well the good news for y'all is it'll be whole bottles. So Jeez. how about that? Um, Got to figure out how to pack those up. Oh, um, dude, hopefully nobody. Drops. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm wondering if maybe you shouldn't find something that we can all find. Or yeah, or maybe something we can buy local that's that that's available. So you that I'm we not sure. I'm not sure. I don't buy enough champagne that I know like where I would find something specialty or obviously at the champagne. Whether store. whatever you have in mind is available <laughs> at here. the the pants store. The pants the store pants is where they store is next to the champagne store. Yeah. No, okay. Well, we'll, we'll definitely chat about it, but I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. So we'll do the two pairings that we missed out on tonight. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate with some bubbly and uh, my pairing as well for another mystery cigar. But uh, for those of y'all who missed it, uh, you guys can uh, hit rewind and, and check out the mystery cigar um, and pairing that we did tonight with uh, some 1835 bourbon from Texas, single barrel whiskey, uh, bottle number 211 out of batch 3726 or barrel number 3726 and uh, 100 proof whiskey that paired really well um, with fantastically. The- with the uh, Cro-Magnon Equitane EMH. Five by 56, thank you, Matt Ty, not five by 60. Thank you, retailer, who messed that up for me. Um, but that's all good. It's just a toll. So i um, glad you guys enjoyed the pairings. Glad you guys could join me for this evening. What a fantastic version 6.0 that we put up tonight, guys. Really, really enjoyed it as always. Always my one of my favorite shows. Love this. Love, the, love this tradition that we've built. This has been fantastic. Me too. It really has. Always great to be on, man. Really appreciate Thank you for the invitation. Oh, always. Really appreciate the audience for tuning in, uh, hanging with us into the wee hours as they've uh, they've come to do with this particular show, um, and every everyone out there as well. Really do appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Be sure to keep them coming. Check out Elosufumar's Facebook page for a calendar of upcoming guests, and including next week, who uh, will be on Dece- uh, Excuse me, February. February, actually the last day of February, the 28th, because this is not a leap year. So February 28th, Mr. Justo Iroa, JRE Tobacco, will be nice. my guest. Uh, Pete Johnson will be on the following week on September, or excuse me, March 7th. And then March 14th, we'll have Amanda McAuliffe of McAuliffe Cigars. So those are our upcoming guests, but check out some more upcoming guests on our Elos Fumar page. Check out our YouTube channel as well, Elos Fumar. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
again, download, subscribe, and review. And if you already are a subscriber, please kindly unsubscribe. Please don't forget to resubscribe. That really helps my numbers and keeps help keeps helping me bring back incredible guests like the two gentlemen that we had this evening, Mr. Trip Waldrop and Dennis Fang of Cigar Federation. So for everyone out there, this was take 157. It's in the books. I'm Barry Duplissy live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. Guess what, everyone? See you next time.